0: I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast with your hosts Rod and Karen. And we're live on a Monday afternoon. Yes. A great quarantine Monday out here, guys. We're just out here practicing social distancing and mm-hmm. having uh, a pretty socially distant guest right now. Okay, guys? Yes. He's coming through you through the internet. Uh if you guys are live in the crowd cast, you're seeing him. If uh if you're listening later on the podcast, you're hearing him. It's the one and only Mike Kaplan, who you guys should know from his stand up album Vegan Mind Mail. He's been a guest on our show several times. He's uh uh has his own podcast uh broccoli and ice cream um hang out with me he's had i mean Mm -hmm. he's had so many podcasts he's been a frequent guest on keith and the girl one of our favorite shows it's uh mike kaplan stand-up comedian what's going on man
2: hey thank you so much for having me i am i can confirm in a different place than you (laughs) uh it's not like you just turn the camera, uh, that's on you and look at me. We're, we're in, I don't even know what, what building or city or state you're in. I probably could have done some research, but I am very happy to be quote unquote here. Uh, for the people watching, it's like only like probably a split second delay from right now. And, uh, if you're in the future, hello. I hope it's, I hope it's better. I mean, no matter what. Even if it's great right now, there's many things that are great. There's many things that are other things as well. But right now, I am certainly grateful to be talking to you, communing with uh, humans, Who are caring nice people so thanks so much for having me and saying nice things oh thank you mike
0: thank you and
1: i figured the way the show is gonna go is we'll probably just mostly talk to mike and do like interview type stuff Mm -hmm. and you know mike we'll ask probably like four to five questions couple hours later we'll be done you know (laughs) and we'll (laughs) wrap it up Um, um mike but you right right now you have an album coming out called aka uh all killing the side um can you tell people about it? uh may uh may the 8th um so you yes. know guys you don't have to leave the house to like risk coronavirus to get mm-hmm. it uh you can you you can go online and, and get the album of you know hopefully saving yourself and all your loved ones and you can also give it um electrically you know mm-hmm. uh you can go to com slash aka to get it uh mike what's what's the new album about
2: uh thank you so much for uh setting me up perfectly. Uh it's true. Uh I am not traveling to do comedy these days. I'm doing a lot of shows online. I'm I'm also available for a pickup and uh delivery. So uh <laughs> if if you come to my home uh and stand six feet away, I will uh deliver uh no, I'll I'll uh you can pick up my delivery, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh <laughs> and uh, yeah so the album is called AKA it is I've been working on it for several years I recorded it last year I brought it to Edinburgh to the Fringe Fest the year before that Uh, it was called All Killing Aside at the time we decided in these times of uncertainty disease death sadness uh that having out of context if you see the name uh maybe the word killing might jump out and it might not be your fate maybe you're like i want to escape from this. and i'm like no all killing aside or maybe it'll sound like a tone deaf thing be like yeah i know a lot of people are suffering but all killing aside <laughs> let's have some fun Mrs. Lincoln, you know what what else did you think of the play? That kind of thing. And uh so it it was but in context the album the hour of comedy is like uh something that I I care about. It is it is about essentially not murdering. It's about uh how I would rather be uh if I had to participate in a murder, I would rather participate as the victim. I would rather be murdered than murder. I don't mean to say that I'm a, a hero or doing anything <laughs> controversial here, but uh, so the album, you know, it, it's about there's it's about kindless love and not murdering. And so calling it all killing aside made sense to us. But then I talked with my album's producer and my mom. My mom was like, "Ooh, killing! I don't think that should be in the title. How <laughs> about how about all kidding aside?" And I was like, "I like where you're thinking. I like that that has at least a single entendre to it." Uh, we're calling it. A.K.A., uh, which stands for All Killing Aside, also for my mom, it stands for All Kidding Aside, and also it stands for Also Known As, so it's an alias for the album that was once the, the. it's like Prince, like the artist, I'm the artist formerly known <laughs> as uh, Michael Kaplan spelled normally, uh, and the album is the album formerly known as All Killing Aside, A.K.A., AKA, uh, and so I think that's basically the end of this Ask Me Anything. Again, my name is Michael Adam Kaplan. The album's called AKA. So this has been my AKA M-A-K-A-M-A, my Akamakama song. <laughs> thank you for asking. It does come out on May 8th, which does also have the M-A in it. It's my girlfriend's birthday, so if you want to do my girlfriend a birthday present of getting her getting yourself my album i think that triangulates and it can be pre-ordered right now whenever you're listening to this it can either be pre-ordered or it can be ordered it's either order or pre-order which is chaos this is kind of chaos but it can be you can be on your way to ordering if you pre-order it now via itunes or apple music you'll get the first track immediately and then each week until the album comes out you'll get another track and then on May 8th you'll get all 17 tracks oh one more thing aka is of course a palindrome the same backwards and forwards and the album itself the the hour of comedy is also sort of a conceptual palindrome uh where the there's like parentheses at the end and the beginning and then as you move through the album it's sort of inception themed and the very middle track the very middle joke of it is about the movie inception and how that is what the album is like so if you have followed this enjoyed this me talking about this my the album has been called hilarious and layered which i have put together and called hilarious i am <laughs> layered layer inside hilarious so if if any of this has been the kind of thing that you like you will probably enjoy the album and if it is not then uh the album is actually much different it's full of jokes that are totally <laughs> different from. What I'm saying now. So I think there's no way to not like this album, uh, that is available for pre-order now and comes out May 8th. Thank you for asking. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Vegan Mind Mail was genius. Yes. Um, and then. Oh, you, thank you. Yeah, um, and then also, like, uh, is it's so weird because, um, like, it's been a while since we had Mike on and mm-hmm. it's, it's all, it's all on me. Um, I, <laughs> I had forgot to get back to him one time about having him on the show. And i don't know if this happens to other people or not but i got in my head so bad where i was like yeah man so i blew that uh now it's embarrassing to even approach like hey man you should come on the show because it's like i totally fucked up that one time and then like time just kept going and it's like the further it got from the time the worse the embarrassment was in my on my head in my head not in real life like it wasn't actually happening but it was happening to me in my head um and our and our and uh just randomly uh I I don't know we were interacting on Twitter and Mike DM me like yeah uh I could come back on the show maybe and uh, promote I was like oh fucking of course like uh, like I I thought you know in my brain it was like I I ruined this uh this this you know quasi relationship thing so um you know thank you for coming back on the show and thank I'm, I'm sorry that it took so long to get you back oh
2: I it's all the more sweet I have a few things I I really do feel like. Uh, your estimate that you would get to ask four or five questions might even be a little on the high side because <laughs> I do have a lot to say to what you just said. Number one, thank you. Number two, I've never been mad at you. That was all in your head. Uh, I I always see you on Twitter. I see your tweets. I like them. And I wasn't I, – I do understand it as well. Like, one, years ago – uh, probably 2010 is like when I, uh, when I put out Vegan Mind Meld, so 10 years ago now. Wow. Uh, and that's also I first, uh... I was listening to like uh, Mark Maron's podcast and like, we, we'd done some shows together and like, he was sort of like the, the angry comedy dad that I felt like I'd never had. Cause my dad doesn't do comedy and is nice. And, uh, I think Mark has done a lot of growth as well. And it's, it's, it's a lot of, like, we're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, that's my impression of him saying that we're good. And, uh, I I remember one time I was on a show with him and we were like in the in the green room and he got up and his girlfriend at the time was sitting next to me and I like kind of whispered to her uh like as a as a joke but also for real I was like what does Mark really think of me and then she said legitimately she's like he only talks about himself so <laughs> I I want to say and he also has a wonderful joke about uh, uh doing a show once and there's like everyone's laughing in the audience except for one guy up front who's like making a face that mark has he's just like focusing on he's like i can't believe this guy hates me this guy's just like fuck you man just like i can't and then after the show that guy comes up to him and is like hey man that was great he's like oh that guy was just the you <laughs> guy was just in my head and so of course that's just a, the point is a common experience that we can all have we all like if somebody's email or text slips away we're like oh no and and then the more it goes the more we think we're like oh no but if i write now then it'll be the worst but tomorrow it's even worse but tomorrow yeah. it's like, i guess this person who i care about i guess we can just never talk again right. because <laughs> i let it go one day too far and the concept of embarrassment itself Like, I think it does take two for there to be embarrassment. Like, if it's only on one side, you can feel embarrassed. But, like, unless I am trying to make, um, unless somebody else is like, look, you're, look, isn't it embarrassing? Because if it's only inside, I mean, maybe that's shame. It's something. There's something, a feeling happening. But it's not like, you know, certainly I never would have wanted you to feel that way. I hope that you can retroactively undo it. Like, there's a. (laughs) a quote from the the book the prophet by khalil gibran that i love which is the greater that sorrow carves into your being the more joy you can contain mm. and so whatever sorrow was experienced was carved into you uh, maybe that's like a a, a high a big a tall word for what we're talking about here but whatever that you experience now it can be like replenished filled with hopefully the joy of knowing that you never had to feel that way but also don't feel bad for yes feeling that don't additionally beat yourself up for having beat yourself up a thing that i think (laughs) i I also have had to learn about that you can get into these spirals i I don't know if any i don't know if you know me but i can sometimes spiral upward (laughs) inward downward (laughs) but The point is, like, I have uh, gladly known who you are and been engaged, and I didn't – if I had known that we were involved in a one-sided, your-sided only feud this whole time, I would have reached out sooner. From my end, I mean – i wasn't thinking like oh i guess he didn't get back to me because he doesn't like me i sometimes maybe that is what's happening and so it's like nice to have a a sense that uh you know that anything is possible like oh maybe something else usually it's just something else is going on with a person they they get busy they have things happening in their life and mind even if like as a comedian Sometimes I'm on stage and a person will leave the room. And mm. sometimes uh that might mean that they don't like the show and they're leaving forever. Sometimes it might mean that they're going to the bathroom. And so for me, like there's no need, I think, unless somebody is like yelling at you right. and they're se- if they're maybe it could go either way. Like, like I'm going to the bathroom just wanna to- you know I-, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> show I'm gonna to go to again. Or if somebody's like running out and being like, I'm leaving because I am unhappy. I definitely <laughs> went to the bathroom before the show and that's not what this is. It's like, well oh, maybe you're actually is that I protesting too much so i just always especially if nobody says anything i just assume they're going to the bathroom even Mm. if they never come back i'm like they just had to go for a long time they really needed something who knows what's going on inside a person emotionally or intestinally you know who knows (laughs) what they need what they are experiencing so whenever anybody walks out of one of my one of my shows i'm always like they just have to go to the bathroom even now if my confidence is so strong, even if they are saying something like, I am leaving because I'm unhappy, I'll be like, probably they're unhappy because of the bathroom situation. <laughs> whatever it is, it's not my comedy. It's not me. It serves me like to both be... Like, it's how I got into comedy. If I didn't have the delusional self-confidence to think that I had something worth saying, then I wouldn't have gotten on stage in front of audience that were like, this is not worth saying, and be like, well, you don't know what you're talking about, because I have extra delusional confidence that was given to me by... By my loving family so good news <laughs> i'm here to fake it till i make it eventually so the point is uh thank you for having me back on the show
1: oh uh, well, i'm glad you came <laughs> back i'm glad we could do this me and, too, it's yeah. always a joy glad to know what's oh, in yeah. my head and all that stuff man i actually have a couple more people i have to reach out to because it's just the same thing and like uh it's time to break the cycles in 2020 okay yeah, and the, everybody is sitting down now so since right. everybody's
3: sitting down now <laughs> you can actually catch them
1: no excuses okay the covid is out here there's no reason to be outside so we're just doing it um
3: how have oh, you been yeah. getting
1: by in the? you know like since the lockdown because you're in new york right and like y'all have been I for have. a while
2: uh Yeah, I think, interestingly, I, I think we were, my girlfriend and I, who I live with, we were on a cruise when the pandemic struck, when oh. we were... We're like removed from society in a place that like you know if the cruise had been scheduled for like even a week later it probably wouldn't have happened mm. but we went out like it was sort of you know it was happening in italy it was happening in other places but we're like okay they're taking precautions like on the cruise there was all these uh like all the staff was trained with there was like purell there was hand sanitizer mm. everywhere like you know people were you know Elbows instead of shaking hands or, like, you know, waves or, you know, namaste type things. This is a half namaste that looks like I'm going to punch somebody (laughs) Uh, because I'm holding a microphone. But uh, we were, thankfully, got off – so we went on the boat on uh, March 7th, got off of it March 14th, and then got home, thankfully, like – as far as we know, like healthily, safely, comfortably, got home, and then it was like short, right around then that uh people were like, "Stay there. Just you got home now. Be in your home." And like shows started being canceled, tours starting being canceled. You know. And, uh, so my life, I was like, oh, I was gonna go to Edinburgh for the Fringe Fest. Oh, okay, they're gonna, okay, they canceled the whole thing. Great. Okay, so that's not, it's, it's kind of nice that there's, I mean, you know, in, in, within the context of the uncertainty and uh, so many people, Being being sick and uh, needing treatment and not knowing whether you're going to get it and and dying, like within that, like there are these at least moments of like these moments of connection and the moment of like, well, the solidarity that we're all experiencing this, that across the, the country and the world that so many people like it's it's not like. There's FOMO, like we're, that we're missing out on something that's happening. Like we're, nobody's missing out because we're all experiencing <laughs> the only thing that's happening, right. which is staying at home. The, the, uh, I was about to, I'm like, what, what if, what if I combine the words FOMO and home? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to say foam. Uh, no, no FOMO. And, uh, so. No fear of missing out. Like, I always, I always strive for myself to think, like, that if you fear missing out, then the thing that you miss out on is not having fear. So, I'm, my goal is to not have fear, and... In these times, it's maybe challenging to do that all of the time, especially with the unknown, but at least for my own, like for my career, for my like, which is a lot of things are just on hold, like touring is on hold, my release shows in other towns, not on the internet, like I'm doing things on the internet now streaming, like things are adapting and filling the the place where I would have been leaving my house to go do things, but it's kind of, I assume, like, how is it in New York? It's very similar inside my apartment to inside your apartment, I bet, you know? (laughs) It's like, that's what New York is like. Like, I'll leave the home, you know, to go to the grocery store, uh, the co-op, uh, or to, you know, to take a walk far away from other people in the park near my home once in a while. But mostly, you know, for the, I think my girlfriend has only left the home uh twice like once once to go outside to just wave to a friend who had gotten us groceries uh mm. and then one and to you know you put put it put it down and then put it put it on the fence and then right. back away and then i'll take it like a, <laughs> everything's a drug deal now yeah it's like uh it's like uh like
1: in the movies where they people do like that you know they have that moment of like a kidnapping or a hostage yeah exchange. hostage exchange it's, it's yeah. always like it's like all right same time man Same. okay you back up all right now i'm gonna back up like it is very uh it is very intense now we got food yes. delivery and like the guy <clears throat> delivers it and then like walks around the corner and kind of like because the way our apartment is set up it's like um our apartment is on one side there's another apartment in front of us and there's the hallway right and so they go to the hallway and just kind of like this is multiple guys now stick their head around the hallway. Just kind like, of like, you good? make sure that we got it. We're just it's like, <laughs> got it, buddy. Everything's fine. But yes, yeah, it's, it's become very intense, but I, I do like that. Um, you know, I'm glad your cruise was, um, already conscientious of it. You right. know, like the sounds like the, uh, crew, the cruise crew made it a oh, cruise. Yeah. They made it a cruise. Um, and then, um, I think now that we're home and you know, hey, hey, you're, baby. you're home with your girlfriend. I'm home with my wife. Um, I feel like now everybody's more of a home more sexual, you know, because we're all, we're all in the house. Karen, what were you going to say? That's great. A home more sexual. Uh, (laughs) I mean, we can only hope, right? You can only hope that it's a home more sexual. You could be home less sexual or, (laughs) you know. Yeah, and I'm a hope more
2: sexual. Uh... And uh, I just, I just added to your thing. You, you, st- you started it. If anyone's mad, it's you. If anyone's happy, it's me and you. But yeah. The- being in the home, I mean, it's funny, like, my girlfriend loves read. she's reading a lot, she's knitting a knot, uh, uh, knitting, kn- I'm, she's knitting a knot and then undoing the knot, and then I am not knitting, and so I don't even know how to say <laughs> knitting a lot, but uh, a knit knot, that's what I am, and a knit, a knit wit, she's a wit at knit, but I'm a wit at knot, so, uh, I, this is what I'm doing, basically, is getting on, on the electronic <laughs> systems with people, uh, doing podcasts, doing streaming shows, uh, doing my own shows, and, uh, you know, Instagram Live, Zoom meetings, uh, I, I thought today, uh, this, this new idea, I, uh, you know, they say when you, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, but I say when I do a Zoom, <laughs> I make an ass out of ooh and
0: mmm. Okay, so, uh,
2: <laughs> here i am uh but it's in some ways obviously my my life at home is different in that i don't leave my life at home very much but each day individually like you know i wake up and i sometimes read something from like i'm reading a book by ram das now or i read books by pema shodron or other buddhist teachers tiknat han read a few pages of that and i then meditate for usually 20 minutes uh, sometimes with an app right now i'm doing this Oprah and Deepak Chopra, which oh, yeah. they don't call the Oprah Chopra thing. They, I think they should call <laughs> it the... Uh... Deepak Winfrey thing, if they're going to go in that direction. (laughs) But they have this program for like 21 days, a different meditation each day. And then I do some uh, free writing, like this, either a a letter to my girlfriend or my mom or to a friend or just for myself or journal writing. And so these are like, before I look at uh, the internet, at the news, at social media, I just start with, you know, myself, a kind of centering thing. For some people, it's prayer. For me, it's meditation. And I read this thing once by a guy named Alan cohen uh he has like a a a lesson a day book and one of the lessons was that think about how the formative years of a of a child's life of a human's life is like they're so important you know to get the nutrition and to get the care and the love and the 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 shelter and clothing and physical touch and you know emotional well-being everything if you don't have all of that you might not be as nutritionally, like mm. healthy as you need in right. you know physical, <clears throat> mental, emotional, spiritual ways, and so the formative years of the life are Im- important. And this guy Alan Cohen says the formative minutes of each day are like that too. If you start the day by frantically you know scrolling through an infinite mm. web of disaster, then that that'll start your day on one foot. But if you start the day you know. As peacefully as you can, at least for the first, you know, few minutes, five minutes, 10, 20, 30, whatever you can do if you have the opportunity to do that. If you don't have to get up and zoom out to a job, if you mm. can, if you're in your home and you don't have to do something immediately, it's <clears throat> such a valuable thing to be able to start, have the formative minutes of the day, form, you know, set the tone for the day, be like, oh, just like, you know, take a breath like I haven't done in the past 20 minutes since we started talking. <laughs> karen what are you gonna say
3: i was gonna say do you think that drug deals are done more openly now because you know like you said it's like a drug deal do you know like real drug dealers are like hey did you get did you get my package all right i'm gonna head around the corner well, now it's
1: kind of weird though because like also the cops simultaneously have like more to be afraid of of like regular people right because we could just yes. like cough on them but then they also have like more um they have like less to do so i i wonder like is crime like way worse like if like if you did a crime now or they just i like the police just sitting there in the corner waiting already like yeah it's about crime 30 i can't believe i have to do this there's nothing <laughs> I, else or are they just out-witting. like are they just like you know what let them deal drugs i mean no, they, n- they don't have masks i you know i'm okay i don't know what they're doing out there Mm-mm. it's better than you having to walk outside with no
3: pants on so kudos <laughs>
2: It's true. I, I, I did read, I mean, there's, it's sort of a double-edged sword that, uh, with more people in their homes, like I read that ISIS even was like, we need to be concerned about the coronavirus and <laughs> that murders are down. The murder rate is down, though unfortunately because so many people are at home together, if you live with a domestic partner, right. domestic violence is, that- is up so it's i mean not a not a thing like Ooh, ugh, ugh, you right. know like this is it, there are it the good things don't make the bad things better right. they they just all kind of exist simultaneously that there are some like there's a comedian tony deo who mm-hmm. is has this hilarious joke i love him tony's very funny he went on conan and he talked about whatever the the maybe hurricane andrew hurricane something that hit new york uh some you know some mm. years ago and he said he i forget what the numbers are but it, it said he looked at the news the news said hurricane the hurricane has killed this many people in new york today maybe like it killed 80 people in new york today he's like oh no that that is tragic and then he's like but i'm going to look up how many people normally die every day in new york from just mm-hmm. the various natural causes and accidents and it was a higher number it was like 120 mm. so he's like this hurricane Saves lives. Save 40 lives. Uh, Right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) By the numbers, so you you, the numbers, of course, don't say anything. And, like, so even if, like, I don't know what the numbers are, like, for, you know, every day in New York compared to corona, but obviously there are marginalized communities, there are immunosuppressed and compromised people, there are the elderly, and, you know, my girlfriend has asthma, and she is concerned that, you know, anytime she gets sick, it affects her lungs. And so there's certainly, there's different people suffering in different ways all the time, and it's it's good that we're doing all that we can, everyone who can. To help protect not only themselves, but also, you know, the people who have to keep going out, the heroes at grocery stores and hospitals and right. all all of that. And like you said, I, I hope, I would imagine that the police uh, are less active because of less people out, less, you know, right. less crime, less people, like <clears throat> even criminals, even, like even criminals, you know, quote unquote, right. uh, you know, people who are, who would be like, punching each other you know for whatever reason like it's funny to see like in movies now like watching movies in this time that were filmed of course like even more just more than a month ago i'm watching and i'm like don't touch each other what are you yeah. doing stay away why don't even punch him just do something else like like, <laughs> like it's so how much we've adapted so i i assume that there's fewer that like there's just let there's everything has kind of Thankfully, it necessarily slowed down. Yeah. And, uh, so glad, glad that, I mean, unfortunately, you know, there still are the people who are in prison are still right. in prison and the guidelines of like bail and sentencing right. are, you know, it's, and, there's less, and they're less letting, accountability. They're
1: letting some people out and, yes, um, they should. like in Charlotte, they, in our city, they let some people out. Charlotte, North Carolina, that's where we're at. Um, gotcha. So they let some people out, um, here, but, you know, obviously not necessarily enough um and then there's also like this thing too where like um i saw the police uh a video of police um on like it was a subway i want to say philly or new york and i think it was philly because there was like a rule like you have to have a a mask and this guy didn't have a mask and there were like 13 police dragging him off the subway and be like you gotta get a mask on and i was thinking to myself like what if police
2: handed out masks you know, that, right. I, I saw that literal somebody posted. Maybe it's in England or mm-hmm. some other country. It was like here you get harassed by the police for not having a mask. There, the police are handing out masks yeah. to people who don't have masks. It seems like the the simplest thing. It's like an analogy, like to like when I was a kid and you'd be like talking in class, you'd be like whispering Mm -hmm. and the teacher would kind of yell at you sometimes and be like, Hey, if you want it to be quiet, why don't you not yell? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're not modeling (laughs) the behavior. If you, Hey, don't, don't uh, threaten people. Don't yell at people. Don't harm people to who don't have masks. When the goal is the mask is to help. The mask is to help people be safe and healthy and protect everyone. So like the, it, more than ever the idea that like punishing crime like the goal of like rehabilitation is a lofty one the right. goal of like helping people you know like not hurt themselves and not hurt each other that's if that's that's what we're trying that's the that it that has to be the goal right. uh the other thing i just thought which is much less important than what we're talking about mm-hmm. but I am imagining like a lot of heists uh heist movies coming out of this and it's just like everybody has masks and <laughs> yes. they're like the people call the police, the police show up in a mask, everyone in right. the bank has a mask, they're like, What do they look like? They look like they have masks. It could right. be you, it could be me, we're all suspects. No one oh, even yes. has no one even has a gun. They just walk no. out yes. It's like, And
3: <laughs> hey, you're making me think, my how about they come in and they actually clean before they rob? We don't know if this person has coronavirus! <laughs> right.
2: Put all the money in the bag, but first put all of the hand sanitizer on the money and <laughs> right. put the hand sanitizer on the bag. Did yeah. you bring- <laughs> I know, did you bring the Kleenexes?
1: Now drop the bag and move six feet away. I'm gonna pick up the bag. Alright, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda, it's kinda interesting too, cause like, to pass the time, I've been like watching a lot of stuff. Uh so like uh I watched on uh, Netflix this series called um, How to Fix a Drug Scandal. Um mm-hmm. it was about um the people who work in the labs that test drugs for the police okay so like you know you get arrested with with suspicion of drugs right they Mm -hmm. put you in jail well they send your drug they send the stuff they confiscated from you somewhere to be tested in order for them to know that it was actually drugs right because yes it could just be soap and or whatever and so what was happening was um there was we covered this on the show but this is for one hour episodes of a documentary which made it much more like in depth than we could possibly do right okay um and we just kind of covered like the the big steps right we're like wow this woman got caught uh, (laughs) um doing drugs while also testing the drugs that that seems like that's not A good thing and that could have been thousands of people's lives that were all affected by that right and then there was another woman um and i had gotten them confused but there's two different women there's another woman who just straight up was like um doing four times as many drug tests as everyone else because she was just cheating Hmm. the system she would oh so like she would take like one thing test it and then apply the like you're supposed to test like say 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 there's a i don't know there's like a car a a small baggie of drugs right you test that and then you test it against like six seven other different agents and all this different stuff just to verify that it's correct she just find like one positive and it just boom for the like Mm. then fill the whole sheet out and just be like all of (gasps) it's positive right right um and so it was interesting how they went into depth with that because like the one woman she was like she got addicted to drugs okay her name was sonya sonya got addicted to drugs and then she would do the drugs she was testing and then file the report or whatever and then like the by the time they would even like catch up to some of the stuff drugs are missing drugs are misfiled she's you know she's uh taking drugs and like pouring water into drugs to cover her tracks like
2: crazy crazy Mm -hmm. stuff and then it could have been such a hero, you know, just uh, doing all the drugs and then saying, "Nope, no drugs here." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what drugs? Like they just come in? She's got like cocaine in her, on there her nose. There were drugs. What? Uh, I don't.
1: I, there were no drugs. I didn't get any drugs this morning, if that's what you mean. Anyway, I'm gonna go yeah. outside and do jumping jacks. <laughs> but she was. She got like so. It was interesting, right? Because the other woman was like, um, I can't remember her name, Annie something, but she was just like straight up everyone was like what she did was wrong like she was basically forging drug tests and clearly sending people to jail that may not have even had drugs and she also was very chummy with the prosecutors and stuff there were emails back and forth Mm. she was she was married at one point she created a fake email account and forwarded it to a guy she was interested in and pretended like she wasn't married so she just had like some serious severe issues but this other woman what i found interesting is the crux of their story was there was a lot of sympathy for her because she became an addict she was addicted to drugs and she was doing all the drugs like (laughs) all of them the drugs came in she was giving it a shot you know what i mean like at one point she said she did like lsd and so she was tripping while also doing the drug test stuff so she was like i i I," and her thing was like Yeah, in her mind, she was like, listen, I know all the work I did was above board. Even if I did the drugs, I mean, it mean, it must
2: mean there were drugs, right? Because I, I did the drugs. They they worked.
3: <laughs> I did the drugs. Right, but, but
2: then <laughs> – Maybe she was – she did the LSD, and then she hallucinated that there were drugs everywhere else. <laughs> right,
1: like. right. I, I was like – but like like at first I was kind of like, yeah, I guess that makes a weird kind of sense. But then when she said she did LSD, I was like – doesn't make as much sense as you think because what if you did have a trip and you're just like everyone's doing drugs or you were just in there like no one's ah, doing ah. drugs you she's seen all the colors yeah she said at one point she was doing crack and she would like take the she didn't know how to do crack she just it's like every time she would just try drugs She so she had to wow. like make her own crack pipe which she didn't really know how to do and then she never had smoke drugs so then she like went and started figuring out a way to smoke drugs using aluminum foil, and she would go to the bathroom to smoke the drugs, and then they have another room that, like, pulls fumes up so that people can't smell it, so she'd go in there and smoke the drugs and all this stuff. She, like, dropped some on the bathroom one time, and she was, like, she she was tripping because she was doing, like, LSD and crack, and she didn't know if she really dropped it, and it was like, someone's gonna walk in the bathroom and see crack, or if she, like, made that up, and there was no crack on the ground, so she was, like, searching and couldn't find it and she's like i don't know what's real but all this stuff to say she was doing drugs from like 2004 to when she got found out in about like 2013 i think something like that god yeah maybe 2015 i think that's when we were talking about on the show and so um they like kind of covered it up they said oh she was only doing drugs for like six months but because she was an addict she was going to like um different um like addiction associations and they she kept a journal and the journal went back to 2004 so like when she had the job she was on drugs they don't do drug testing all this stuff right now all that to say the argument was well everyone she convicted should stay in jail because they're a criminal and she should not have to go to jail much or her work shouldn't be that impugned by too much because she's an addict And it's funny how the designation of criminal and addict for the same crime, essentially, right? Because, hey, you drove a car on drugs, you should go to jail. You tested drugs on drugs, you, (laughs) your, the results of what you're doing should be called into question the same way we would call into question a driver driving a car on drugs. But the disconnect was so like huge and it was so weird because like this legal system that wanted to keep these quote-unquote criminals in jail also wanted to keep her above question right they wanted to be like no her work is fine we don't need to look into it nothing's wrong with what she did we don't want to vacate any of these cases okay The, the that work is fine nothing's wrong with that um and then also guys she's an addict okay she needs help she needs our sympathy. These people need jail. They need prison and they don't need to come out. And they,
3: but they don't need our sympathy, right? Yeah. And
1: that's what, when Mike brought up the whole thing about social distancing in jail and letting people out mm-hmm. of jail, it's funny how people go, criminal, you're in jail, criminal, no sympathy. But, but most of the people in jail are in there for drug offenses, nonviolent crimes, not being able to pay warrants and fines and things of this nature. That should not be a reason to let someone get coronavirus
2: uh and also shouldn't be a reason even without coronavirus that people (laughs) should be held you know if they can't afford even like you know the minimal like bail the the whole the whole bail process i started uh volunteering with a group in new york called court watch nyc Mm -hmm. and we go when when possible in the before times we would go into the courtrooms during arraignments and watch as da's like it was just the beginning of cases uh and they we would like, just take down the demographics of, like, of the accused of and uh basically what the crimes were accused – what what they were accused of and what the bail requests were because, like, bail laws changed at the beginning of this year in New York. Mm-hmm. So we're making sure – like, it's to hold them accountable for – like because DA's like there's no record of if nobody's there watching, like they don't just write down and release like these were the cases and this is what we offered and this is what the defense said and this is what the judge said. So we mm-hmm. just take notes on all of that and then uh, it's compiled and then used to hopefully help, you know, spread the word and make make it so that there is more accountability in the system and like i learned more about like the history of bail itself i mean like it's to make sure like you're innocent till proven guilty and bail is before you've even had your case like it's to make sure you come back to court for your case when you're innocent before potentially being proven whatever you are you're an innocent person So there's so many people innocent in jail because they can't afford the bail and most people i think the statistics show you, most people don't run. Most people come back to to their court case. Right. Most people show up. So, like, that's why the bail laws have changed, and it's good that they are continuing to change a lot of places to be like, okay, do you promise to come back or else we put you in jail for more? Like, most people are going to come back. Most right. people aren't just running away from most crimes right. because some of them are, like, they took a soda from the store right. or, you know, they, like, pushed somebody when they were drunk or whatever it is. Like, so many of the things aren't, like, you know, murder murders like right. most crimes most crimes are less of a big deal like mm-hmm. and like and certainly for drug offenses like when they're when you're the only victim of your own crime like those things shouldn't be crimes like right. at all yeah, like right. they're it's literally <laughs> victimless and we see especially in this case like 2004 to 2013 this person was on drugs the whole time didn't die like most drugs right. don't kill you they can certainly you know cause your life some 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 great hassles but some of that is also like the legal things like if you can't seek treatment because you right. if you want would want to seek treatment because otherwise you'll be criminalized like everybody here like deserves to be if you want to not be addicted to drugs everyone deserves right. sympathy because it's it's potentially a disease and the fact that they're saying you know, of course the point that you made uh that they're giving, they're like, she deserves sympathy. Other people don't just like, no, oh, you were almost there. If right. she deserves so sympathy for doing this, this thing, then these other people who did that thing, I mean, like, you know, white supremacists right. patriarchy does everything that it can to just make like, well, everything. Okay. But we're just going to like <laughs> stretching <laughs> and contorting yeah. to be like, well, okay, the system can't be the problem. Right. Like, and like, and and in
1: addition to her being like, because the one woman who was like um i mean both women were quote-unquote criminally negligent but the one woman who seemed to be more like i don't give a fuck about these people i'm like if like prosecutors are literally emailing her and being like hey can you rush the drug test on these people these are some really bad guys we want them off the streets and you're not supposed to be able to do that and then if a defense attorney uh would email her and be like hey my guy is doing such and such um and this drug test result, we want to like call it into the question so can you da 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 she would then email the prosecutors and be like can i respond to this or should i just ignore it you know stuff like that that shows that she's not like a unbiased part of the system she's a biased part of the system so like she was like kind of patently really messed up but then this other woman was kind of just like she's she's an addict um she is a she's a white woman the other woman's uh, brown like indian so she's an addict she's a white lady she's um you know uh you you know her tests are a little bit more like quote unquote reliable because she is testing drugs but Mm. then she's using the drugs but still even with all that i the thing i really love was that the defense attorneys for these people who were they were like we need these incarcerations vacated many of the people keep in mind were out of prison by the time she she's been doing this for 10 years so many of the people mm. had taken they served their time they were out of they were out of jail but they had this on their record right so now you know having a record in america basically means you're not hireable in many ways you can't mm. you can't live certain places um things of this nature so what she what he, they wanted was this vacated But I appreciated the defense attorneys because they did have this sympathy for her that didn't feel like because she's a white lady. It's like no, we have this sympathy for our clients because they've done crimes, quote unquote. But you know, sometimes it's because they're on drugs. It's because they're addicted Mm -hmm. to stuff. They like if many of them are fighting to get clean. You're not gonna find that in jail, and that's why we're fighting so hard. And so their sympathy for her, I understood. Like I, 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 like I appreciated their ability to see her humanity and see everyone's humanity but then the systems like the uh, prosecutors the g the uh, ad or whatever those people da they were like no 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 she's human not the rest of these people and that was the conflict that bothered me
2: oh yeah i mean that makes complete sense it's funny that the funny that the da like they when you think about a court case how they call it they say it's the people versus the da represents quote-unquote the people right they are the one i mean like who are the we're all the people and if anything like i'm on the side of the innocent people it's like the system versus the government which which people (laughs) it's all of us and here's another quick thing like i obviously i haven't watched the you know the series or the documentary that you're talking about but uh and so maybe this is addressed, but I work, uh, I, I volunteer, I'm a member of this uh, Park Slope Food Co-op mm-hmm. in, in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, and sometimes one of the jobs that's necessary to do, like everybody who shops there works there, does something like once a month, uh, is when a cashier gets done with their shift. Uh, there's like uh, they, we we count how much money they have in their thing, mm-hmm. and then uh, that then you know how much money and. Two people are always involved, so I'll go with a cashier, I don't do cash, the a cashier job, but I go with them, and then we count the money, and there's, we're always both there with the money at the same time, mm-hmm. because just, it's not like we don't trust a specific person, but it's just like, hey, it's good for, right. Two people. If money starts going missing, then they're like, "Oh, who was uh, who was working? Right. Who was accountable?" And so I feel like in that drug lab, like if they just had two people working, I mean, unless it was they'd be like starting to get addicted in twos. Like right. I don't know. If that would, <laughs> like Hey, you gotta check a this out, but Well, least- that was
1: that's what was crazy. They hadn't had an audit in ten, over ten years. oh what? Right. Like they and the time they had an audit, that's when she poured water into drugs. Cause she was so mm. scared she was panicking because she's like she i this is the one thing i didn't expect someone's checking the drugs right she poured water in the drugs the what the drug she had poured it in was like an oily type drug so the water and the drug separated so you ah. could see the water in the drug but the person checking it apparently just thought that the drug had degraded over the years and that the sample was like this was just uh, erosion of the sample and they just threw it away um and then the other thing was there were four people working in the lab four doing all of this testing for massachusetts three of them did test and then one of them did intake basically so you basically have zero oversight the lab wasn't sterile it's nothing like i think there's an image of the criminal justice system that we are sold right through tv shows and csi Law
2: yeah, and Hunter, yeah you know you
1: watch miami csi and the guy can like put on a special set of sunglasses in the lab and like take <laughs> a picture of like tire tracks and it'll show you like and that's a 1984 plymouth you know right? like they can do that and so in our minds there's like this this thing that's happening where like all the cops and all the people are like it's like diligently working and so smart and putting it all together and then in real life you look at this dingy ass lab you're like how was how every how was not every sample corrupted where was the oversight why weren't things double checked how can someone just like you know take a hundred grams of cocaine and it's missing and no one ever knows that like things like this should not happen uh in a world where you're where this is the outcome of someone's life
3: and and I think, for me, what's so funny is that somewhere like that that's very important, like drugs, mm-hmm. don't get audited. Me at my normal, regular-ass job, and I've had multiple of them, sometimes you get audited multiple times a year right. by the federal government and or a company that your company hired to audit you to be sure that you <laughs> could pass the federal shit and... When they audit, they check for random shit. They check for any flaws. They check for shit that don't look right. Mm. They'll, you know, because we've had audits where they'll find like a glitch. And then they, uh, next thing you know, the rules change. People's permissions to the system change. All types of shit. And this is just for regular, that has nothing to do with drugs now. Nothing to do with drugs. Right. But something like this, that is life and death, and people going to jail—they like, ah, oh, fuck it. We'll check it whenever we feel like it. I don't understand that.
1: Yeah, it was insane, man. Like I, I, I tell people, man, like check those type of documentaries out every once in a while if you can stand it. I know it makes some people get so mad they can't watch it, and I'm not blaming you for that. I just, I just there's certain things in my life I really like to be informed right. because I need to know this is happening because. To a certain extent that, that anger and that vigilance is fueled by that and that's kinda what you need in order to, to, uh, continue to kinda like make people accountable as Mike said, you know, so you can be like, hey, guys, this is, this is terrible and this is what this is, you know, cause I think, one of the things, you know, I make jokes about it, but one of the things I think when people hear like prison abolition, what they hear is like, get out of jail free, alley Ali Axa free, nothing's gonna happen to people. And I think, um, and it's also because sometimes that's the way it's sold online, is like, you know, cause it's hard to sell nuance and some long winded thing online. It's easier to be like, you know let everybody out and then everybody goes no <laughs> you're like uh, uh let a lot of people out and like yeah. may, okay maybe maybe a lot of people I mean, at least some some people how yeah. about how about people how about the innocent people right. we can get- <laughs> yeah. okay can we start with some people are in there shouldn't be in there yes that's we, probably
2: true We, we could, I'm, I'm listening excited. right I mean, but who's to say right
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean the system okay. right and so it's like watch this documentary you'll see like how this system works because it was very result oriented by which i mean once we had the result of guilty they were done with these people it didn't fucking matter if they it didn't matter if everything that got them to the guilty part was wrong we have you in custody now you're in somewhere where we control you
2: we're gonna do as much as we can to make sure that doesn't change that's a win for them, and they don't want to take that win off their record, even though they won for the wrong side. It's like... I heard a thing once about like relationships, like if you're in, let's say, the wrong relationship, like a relationship that's harmful to you or certainly not as not not just not as fulfilling, but like, you know, isn't good for you. But we we have the ideal in our society. A lot of people do of like that. It's good to be in a relationship, even to be in one. I feel like Chris Rock has a joke where he's like better to be in a bad relationship than no relationship. (laughs) And that's maybe he's being facetious. But certainly the Mm. truth is. I would say that's, I mean, and it's so complex and I'm right. doubling back on everything, but there are definitely relationships that it would be better to not be in. Like some right. people are, feel alone when they're alone. Some people feel alone or lonely when they're in a relationship right. and that's worse. And so the analogy I heard is like, imagine like a ladder up a building and you've gone, you've climbed up this ladder and you you're like, that's what I do. And you get to the top and you're like, Oh no, I'm on the wrong building. So <laughs> yeah. to, even, to be on the right building, but like you can't jump, you got to go down. You got to, seemingly undo you're like right. but that's going backwards but it's going backwards down the wrong path so it's right. actually right to go but you're you're moving forwards towards the right ladder against the right, right house so you can be on top of the right building and so similarly these you know if you have quotas or if you have a right. system where you're like we did it we got these guilties we got even if the, but but they're not wouldn't it be better to undo a not guilt, think, a like guilty like verdict the, of the person
1: the yeah. like they, they culminated in this like um It's really like dramatic moment where like the defense attorneys finally were getting their day in court in like supreme court or whatever right like it was like like they were in like the state supreme court they had to fight it that long like and you know people have died at this point people have like done their sentences and been out all this stuff and he was asking the i think it was the da and then the person who was um over the state's trial of, um, Sonya, the woman who was a drug addict who worked in the lab. And the judge kind of was looking at the work of the original trial. He was like, you guys kind of prosecuted her and gave her 18 months without ever looking into what she did wrong. Like it's just kinda like her saying, I did some things wrong and they were like, We'll take your word for it. Eighteen months, you know. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. If, oh yeah, we we didn't look because if we looked <laughs> we were sure we would have found stuff that then we would have had to take we didn't want to do yeah. more work. We're not gonna go undue. back fourteen
1: years. So how long you been doing the job on drugs? Six months. Sounds good to us. So that that was how they kinda did it. And so um when um and then of course, you know, in our justice system prosecutors prosecutors are supposed to hand over whatever accident uh evidence they have to defense attorneys i think it's called a es- evidence or something something oh yeah something so it's like this evidence might not help our case but it's the truth and the point co- and the point of a of a trial is to get to the truth so yeah this might not make our client look that great here's the evidence we have from your side and the defense attorneys are supposed to do vice versa right now obviously it doesn't always work like that but in this case they had evidence of like from her car that was saying like her taking files home her uh her her journal and stuff from her um uh her her like drug addiction like um her uh i forget what it's called but like you know like her 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 therapy and stuff like you know you know how do you feel about this and how long have you been using that and did you use today and stuff like that they were like, yeah, that stuff isn't relevant. So they didn't hand over any of that. Um, and, then, and then, um, at the very end, he, there's this dramatic moment and the defense attorney had, finally has like the DA and the assistant DA like on, on the stand and he asked her flat out like, so did you not find this evidence that you didn't hand over to be relevant to the fact that this woman had tested all this stuff for like fourteen years or whatever, and she was like, "No, just flat out no." And it was such a blatant lie. And the judge got mad, and it was, you know, obviously throughout all these cases and stuff. So, you know, in the end, that a lot of people kind of quote unquote won pyrrhic victories or whatever, and victory victories. I mean, because that record, that thing on your record, can really hurt your life. So, but but it was that moment where she said no that really just like summed it all up. Is like we don't want to admit this was wrong or bad or a loss because that would mean our entire system was wrong and bad and 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 at a loss in this situation so they just she just and they ended up getting like reassigned and all this stuff but it was just such a like uh compelling documentary so if you guys get a chance check it out it's called how to fix a drug scandal hey
0: hey
3: mike how how did you how can i say this how did you find, well how do you find so much time to volunteer? Cause talking to you, sound like you have doing a lot of volunteer time. I was like, oh, he does a lot of outside work. that's actually really neat to hear about.
2: Uh, I'm glad. I, I'm happy to make it sound that way. And, uh, like, look how good I am. Um, <laughs> I, I actually just saw yesterday, uh, my friend Ramin Nazer, wonderful comedian and artist. He, I, I recommend following him on Instagram. He posts these beautiful, like, colorful, philosophical, psychedelic, like, creative, just beautiful art pieces. And yesterday's was just, like, you know, a nice scene of just a one, a, like, sort of a being, a human holding a sign. That was basically saying. I think the sign said "Be good," and the guy was like, "All right, I've done my job. (laughs) You know, uh, I'm a good person," and uh, and so I'm I'm that guy right now holding this side. Like, so what? Before I will answer your question, uh, but I also do want to offer one one piece of I think hope in a way Mm -hmm. about. Uh, that I thought about CSI because I heard this thing years ago that once CSI became so popular like somebody I met met who worked in like the Either a CSI type of job or in the courts was like, now that people have seen the show, they are expecting a higher, more exact standard mm. of evidence, presentation, collection. They, because on the show, it always, it's always like, aha, we have the answer. Mm. We analyzed the thing. It's this person and it's so much more the same way the labs are cleaner the the results are cleaner and it's in some ways a matter of statistics you know mm-hmm. we even if it's like fingerprints or whatever like certainly like physical evidence is better than like I think eyewitness testimony which is like wrong at least like a massive percentage of the time like so many people arrested in jail uh, because somebody said and it's just right. a person who didn't like them or didn't see them or was racist or whatever it right. was Like, and I mean, that's the thing, like, let people out of jail, probably because there's so many people, like, not nobody, like, certainly, whether or not you think people deserve to be in jail, and certainly, there are people who have done harms to people that were like, what, what do we do? Like, it would be great to put them on an island where they could only hurt themselves or another person that also hurt people, whatever it is. But certainly, there are people who didn't do anything who are there, but... Uh So that's sort of like the silver lining that when I was told this story, I was on the side of this person. I was like, oh man, that's horrible that you now have a harder time getting juries to convict people and now i'm like oh what a beautiful right <laughs> life uh life path that i've been on that i'm like oh that's a a silver lining yeah. now. that if juries are a little more uh have higher standards for putting people away for extended periods of it's time it's like it's like but, we've, we've taken the uh long way back to oj
1: simpson's dna trial where it's like ah. like like oj got off because no one understood dna or trusted it at the time and then like but then after a while because of tv and stuff we've all gotten to the point we're like dna that's it that's that's the end of the thing dog uh you're going to jail you know and now it's like we're back to like well i don't know i saw an episode
2: of svu and uh yeah it's not what you think you know (laughs) Yeah, like real life DNA evident like a real life, like CSI, my lifey, like real life, you know, would yeah. be like a boring show. People would be like, <laughs> okay, how long does this take and what is happening and what are they doing? But uh to answer your question... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I have, like, you know, I, I don't have a day job now. I, my, especially, especially now, now I really don't have a day job. But, uh, since, you know, I started doing comedy in 2002, and I moved to New York in 2008. And around then is when I started most, uh, mostly essentially just traveling for comedy for my life. And so then, Like, now I would say I'm traveling uh, in the before times and hopefully in the after times. Uh, I would say about half the time uh, I'm on the road, like maybe a few weekends a month or, you know, fly out to do a few colleges one week and then come home. So, like, a few days out, a few days back, a few days out, a few days back, sometimes gone for a week or two. But I would say on average, you know, maybe half the time away and half the time home. So when I'm home, like, I'm doing shows at night, but during the day, you know, I'm doing my own, like, Things work like you know and and non-work things like life hobbies and like over the past several years especially you know like for me uh cert- i'd say like the 2016 election was the, the the largest wake-up call in my own personal life that oh it's it's not as okay as i thought i mm. was sheltered and it it hasn't been okay for in many ways for a lot of people for a long long time and uh like i love roy wood junior's comedy like mm. his his special father figure where he's mm. talking about like the blues and he's mm. like you know oh black people have been uh we've been sad for a while you know yeah. we've been uh, <laughs> it's been there we've been trying <laughs> to tell you, you know? and <laughs> So the idea of, you know, that I, well, I'm like, oh, what, what can I do? You know, started mostly that, you know, like I was, I always donated to like charities that I cared about and, uh, and, you know, I've been vegan for 18 years and have, you know, done, Like fundraisers for different animal rights and different and human rights fundraisers and things like what I can, you know, I've done what I can when asked about it, but I've been looking into it more. Mm -hmm. And I have like some very good friends who have always been doing more, you know, Mm -hmm. in the activism world and activism circles. And so I've, like, asked them, like, oh, what what do you do? Like, what meetings do you go to? Like, I have a friend in L.A. who goes to, like, White People for Black Lives, which, you know, uh, is sort of, like, helps support Black Lives Matter in mm. in in their events and experiences and actions is the word I'm looking for. And, uh, and so in New York, I've gone to some Surge meetings and some other, you know, and it, I think it was through Surge that I found uh, Court Watch. And I was like, this seems like at least a concrete it's nice to be able to have a concrete thing to go to and do and be like, well, at least I'm incrementally adding to a, a cause that I think at least seems to be uh, heading in a direction that makes sense to me like towards uh, like ending mass incarceration in the form that it exists today. And so when I went to do the the court watch training uh, maybe a year a little over a year ago. They, they said, we'd love it if you could volunteer, like the shifts are three hours, like at least two a month mm. would be good. I mean, obviously there's, it's volunteer. And so whenever I'm home, uh, if I, if I'm home for a weekend, I'll go on like Saturdays at 2 p.m. Mm. is one of the sessions. And so I can still do shows at night, but I can still contribute at that time. So if I was home every Saturday a month, maybe I would do every Saturday, mm. but so I'll either do, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's two. And then there's also, like, data entry that can happen, like, from home. So I've done some of those shifts as well. So I guess basically, like, you know, several years ago, before I started meditating, I was, like, meditation how, who has time for that? Who has time to take 10 minutes for myself to do nothing, quote right. unquote, to just sit for 20 minutes? Like, I could watch a garbage TV show. Like, I, there's, I'm not, I'm not, there's, they're not gonna watch themselves. Like, they kind right. of will. Maybe, who knows in the future. Like, make AI <laughs> to watch the shows. But I was like, <laughs> now I feel like, oh, taking that time in the day for myself or, you know, for, it's, I, hopefully, uh, it makes me more capable of then being able to, Take time in other ways for myself, for other people, right. for all of us, because I think, I mean, another quote unquote good thing, a silver, a silver lining of this experience. Uh, my girlfriend just told me uh, the other day or today, even like it, uh, her friend shared with her something that uh, a spiritual teacher had shared with her. And I don't know the original source, but it's like, don't look for silver linings, look for the light. Mm. And so in this experience, like another, another thing that light comes from or light can be shined on is, uh, we all are in this together. Like literally, we, if we're in it together, we're in it. So stay away from it, stay away from each other, (laughs) and we can be positively impacted. Like our health, like rich, you know, and obviously, it's not just that rich people and poor people or right. white people and black people are impacted the same, of right. course, because the system is still protecting. uh it, It's just it, it is happening right. that the, if you are powerful, then you are safer. And right. if you can't stay home, then you are not. And if you have right. a job where or don't have it, whatever the case is. But we are all at risk in in it together and to protect all of us to protect ourselves is to help protect other people to protect other people is also to protect ourselves like Mm -hmm. it's kind of the simplest like buddhist thing the thing
1: about the virus is that it doesn't care Mm -mm. about any of the shit you know like i saw it a day and i you know i was gonna make a joke about it but i've decided to be a to not. but it was like a guy who did one of those rallies that was like yeah man we're not doing social distancing i don't give a fuck and he died today and or he wow. actually died a couple of days ago and then it just came out today and i was just like like this shit doesn't care. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not like a, like the virus doesn't vote. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just there. Like, Ooh, it doesn't have a D or R beside it. Yeah. It's just like membranes. Woo. And it's just hopping in different membranes. Regardless. Now there are some people who are more at risk than others, Mm -hmm. but then to like voluntarily put yourself at risk, it's not gonna just be warded off by your confidence. It's just, it's like, cool. I, I would take any mucus membranes I can find so anyone that wants to touch their face and be very close to people i this is my shit okay this is what i'm into this is my
3: jam. So,
1: so it's been interesting to see that happen um too like um the other thing i was gonna ask you uh well uh a couple of notes one uh it's funny white people for black lives Sounds like what slavery used to be, right? Where it's like uh, I'd like two black lives, please. Thank you. Oh yes. As a white person. <laughs> like like I wonder if anyone ever shows up to the wrong meeting. They're just like, Uh, you guys got black lives for sale up in here? And they're like, No, what this is the opposite of that. Oh, wrong um, meeting, wrong meeting. And then the other thing, do you ever read like I know you talked about reading, do you ever read like comic books and stuff
2: or you no? I 100% do I will I do let me just put a quick button on mm-hmm. the reason I brought up the the fact the fact that we're all in this together great for its own sake mm-hmm. 100% and it is also what allows me like I now I I understand how much I have like how how much I've always had like you know my parents were teachers I was raised in a home like that. I had a home I had food <coughs> I had I was cared for I was loved and uh and I still am in a home with a person who loves me. Like, I have so much, and, you know, I have a savings account. Like, so many people don't. So many people have credit card debt and college debt and all these things. Um, and, like, I have a house. I could, based on your most recent question, I could turn this camera, if it wasn't my laptop, sideways, and you'd see, like, a shelves full of graphic novels. I've got mm. so much in my life uh, that I'm grateful for, and it seems important. I've, I've learned, like, I mean, I learned in one way growing up, like my mother, you know, I talked to recently, she's like, we always, you know, emphasized kindness, being kind to others, treating people the way they want to be treated. And then at, it's only in like recent years that I've gotten like more specific examples of how to do that, of, mm. of, you know, and who who can we help and why and how and how we can because I mean society, religion uh, human nature is something that maybe divides people into like it's a like black and white and you know into right and wrong into right. criminals and you know people who aren't you know right
1: oh Mike froze for a little bit hold on I don't know if we uh lost him there let me pause so to oh, me, okay. one of you All moving right. and
2: one of you not okay Mike uh
1: Mike is back Oh wait, hold on. Now I'm Mike. You there? Sorry about that, man. Oh, you're all good. <laughs> uh, what was the last thing you heard? Um, let's see.
2: Uh, you were talking about being kind, and um, oh, so yeah. yeah. So I I grew up, and I feel like that was emphasized in my home. But the specifics are what I feel like in recent years. I mean. Not that I, my mom was just like, be kind and figure it out, but that, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of different ways, like, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't go to like political protests, uh, right. but now I will go to political protests because now I'm like, oh, that's a thing that people I respect and care about, uh, and who are active in circles that i'm like oh i i can do that like and not you know marches aren't the only thing that are important but they're they're something and then these you know different organizations i'm like it's now more more worth my time like i you know time is a luxury that i i have because mm-hmm. of the good fortune that i've had in my in my life from the beginning and in my career more recently and so it seems valuable to, like It used to be like, you know, well, what's, you know, it, it seems like there's when you're doing something, you're not doing something else. Right. And so that's where sometimes FOMO comes from. But if you're doing something that you think is important or valuable, either for yourself or someone else, because like I don't have kids and I don't specifically plan to have kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's like at the end of this body and this life's incarnation, like that, you know, there's nothing no, no physical things coming with me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about the experiences that I'm having. And my friend who I mentioned before, Ramin Nazer, had this, uh, he has a, a Patreon with extra art and one of them recently was about how every everything that you're doing like you might be during these times being like ooh i'm going to be very creatively active mm-hmm. or if you're not you might be like oh i'm going to spend time with my family or i'm going to be working or i'm going to be you know just trying to deal with it just mm-hmm. whatever you're doing he says is like that's a good a branch of who you are that's a right. a, a creative manifestation of your desires of your mm. you know of what you of who you are and what you can do so if i'm if I see a friend who's like i've been work i've been working on my my comedy for like writing writing seven hours a day i've been working on my novel seven hours a day like that's great, and even if i 'm not doing that that's okay because i'm doing my quality and quantity of work and and also these people are doing their versions of spending time with their loved ones uh nice. being engaged in activism and so if you know several times a month i have 3 hours that maybe i would have gone and seen a movie like i think i think part of the answer is i just i see fewer movies now mm. which uh isn't is also uh, mostly because of the coronavirus because right. i was for a little <laughs> while <clears throat> uh, I did that AMC movie, you know, you can see, Oh three yeah. A week yeah. Mm-hmm. A curtain, the I, that was making me see movies that I didn't even want to see. Cause I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I got to get my money's worth. But True. so now I'm like, I'm going to pay to see a movie when I want to see a movie. And at a time when I would have gone to see a movie just for no reason, I will go, I'll be like, Oh, if I can spend this three hours volunteering, it seems more valuable to do like one fewer movie a month or two fewer movies nice. a month, or just watch the movie later at night when I'm going to go to sleep. And, uh, uh, and you, yeah, I realize, like I make lists of movies that I want to see, and like years later, I'll be like, "Oh, these are movies I wanted to see in 2015. Do I <laughs> still want to see them? If I do, I'll watch them now. Right. If I don't, great, great bonus." And so, yeah, comic bu- comic books are something that I've been reading my whole life, or at least since like I read Archie comics as a kid. I read like you know teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid, yeah, like sort me of too. like the sanitized, colorful ones, and then maybe I like, read, around, well, I
1: you know, read the um black and white teenage mutant ninja turtles my mom um you would take us to barnes and noble and i always go to a graphic novel section and uh that was i did not know how hardcore they were uh the oh, original yeah. eastman and Laird, like they were like cutting people's heads off <laughs> like cussing and like i fell in love with that version of teenage mutant ninja turtles and then like of course, every other version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is for kids, right? So it's all like, oh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, Michelangelo's a party dude and all this stuff. And I'm just ha, like, ha, ha, like, ha. I was the only kid that was like bitter and cynical already. Well, I was just like, ah, those man. aren't the real Ninja Turtles, man. Okay. Let me tell you about the shit, man. Um, oh, but yeah. the, it's re-
2: like, like the Bible, you know, it's right? like, yeah. uh, <laughs> you learn it. Like I went to Sunday school at my synagogue growing up and you learn and, and then later in life, you're like, Oh, everybody was like murdering each other yeah. and so much sex involved right. or like mm-hmm. columbus coming to america like Amer- history like everything that's for kids is like later they're like okay that was just kidding yeah well like but. when you're a kid you're just like
1: yeah and his wife turned to a pillar of salt and you're like man that's crazy salt and then when you get older you're like wait sodom is that where sodomy oh, yeah. comes from you know like that type of shit but um what i was gonna say is there's this book i started reading uh it's a graphic novel i started reading not even graphic novel it's a comic book but I started reading it a while ago, uh, maybe like this week, and it's called Animosity. And oh. It's I, a, I've seen, I've seen that in the stores. I haven't read it yet. It, you like it? Oh my god. It's so, so, um, you know, I do eat animals, um, occasionally. Um, and, uh, animosity is like, what if all the animals became sentient? And, and, and it kind of did fuck me up a little bit cause I was like, damn, we treat animals like shit. But it was only like cause animals aren't quote unquote as smart as us. But like once the animals became able to relay more complex feelings about things that we do to them already, cause the animals could remember everything that was done. So it wasn't like the animals became sentient and it, from that moment on they were like, wait a minute. They became sentient and they were like, you fucking sold my cubs. I like what was that? You know what I mean? And so uh it made me think about uh think about you when I read it. I was like, oh man, Mike might want to check it out. I don't you know, I oh, kind of yeah. had written it off as like something silly cuz I did, it, it just seemed kind of like the covers and stuff all seemed silly, but now that I have infinite time. Um I, I was like, I guess I'll read it and then I was like, oh this is actually pretty cool, man. And um even within the animals, I got to an issue the last one I'm reading um where even amongst the animals they started having a hierarchy because there's animals obviously you know like we think cats dogs raccoons whatever right we think animals we think but then like the bees who are the most important like species on the earth come on they they go we all go right and so the bees are insects and then there was like kind of a disregard for them from even other animals they were like they're insects they don't count and it's like the bees became sentient so it's like like it so now it's like uh, we're enslaving bees if we like take the queen and make our own hive and Mm. all of this stuff so like it was just like a super deep way to think of um the way that we kind of exist in this ecosystem now i don't know what they're going to do if the plants become sentient because that's probably going to really fuck everything up because it's like dude what are we going to eat like what is how's everyone going to live now
2: (laughs) uh yeah i mean uh, i i hear you and i think that this kind of like you know spectrum of of sentient conscious of of consciousness experience like is i mean it's real like you know animals are sentient like they they have emotions they have thoughts they they move through the world you know the same like we are animals Mm -hmm. and uh so there's I I think that the answer to the question, sort of like with mass incarceration, you know, if you're like, let them all out. Like, like at the extremes, it doesn't, what do we do? We don't know, like, how do we get here, from here to there? Like, because also, animals eat each other. Like, that is part of the natural order of things. Like, the way that humans eat animals with factory farms and with unnecessary cruelty. Like, we don't need to eat animals at all. Certainly, we don't need to... Torture them the way that we right. do, uh, before we kill them. So I feel like, you know, the, the indigenous version of like the way, you know, people would be aware of and thankful to, you know, the animals participation in the, the cycle right. of, of existence, of nature, of life. Like I'm not, I, I certainly wouldn't say that, you know, we're, we're all, we're all nature. We're all part of nature. And, it's not like it's like how are you doing what are you doing what are you going to do and i mean also right now like i'm a you know i'm a person who has ingested uh plants for psychedelic uh purposes Mm -hmm. and uh the understanding like some of it is like plants have information or wisdom or knowledge or something because like you're you're doing this you're engaging with this plant liquid food drink thing this plant consciousness is you know becoming like you are is it is it all you is it you it's certainly you and the plant like the plant is helping you there's definitely a chemical
1: reaction that's happening because of the plant like you ingesting the plant so it's not just all you right it's not like if you sat down by yourself sans plant you would have the same experience right like i know you i've heard you talk about like ayahuasca uh, before so like it's definitely you know in due to it's due to the chemical reaction that comes from doing
2: the thing right and so it it's i think some people have postulated or or theorized the idea that like maybe this is how plants are communicating with oh, us shit. and also like sometimes <laughs> the way the cycle works in order for some plants to be propagated is they have to be like eaten and then uh either excreted or there's mm-hmm. various like I'm not I'm certainly not an expert in it but right. I did have a a woman on my podcast uh named Sophia Uh, and her last name escapes me right now, but she uh, wrote a book or was a co-writer of a book called when plants dream, I believe. Mm. And it's all about like the history and current, like sort of sociology, anthropology of ayahuasca and, uh, about how it's been used throughout history and about how, you know, different cultures that are in the Amazon jungle now are kind of threatened by what's happening to the Amazon jungle. But like there's we talked so much about uh about ayahuasca and the ways in which it's sort of you know a cooperation uh with plants and so i don't want you know to be like like i certainly don't want i I think it's important to be to be thoughtful to be thoughtful about what we are doing why we are doing it and like how much we're doing it because certainly even if you know you're you're living at a time when. Uh, you know, if you're living somewhere and to live, the only thing you could do is fish or, mm. you know, uh, kill an animal, uh, long, long ago, then, like, that's something, like, that's a more meaningful, connected, like, experience of, of presence with it, as opposed to, like, the way, where we are now, where food, you know, is either delivered or in a box, you know, it might not, we're not even calling it. Like, I have a friend, my friend Sarah, uh, talk, like, asks people sometimes, do you eat chickens? plural, you know, as mm. opposed to, because even saying chicken, we're like, oh, you know, the mass, the blob, the substance. Right. Like, do you eat that thing, that stuff? He's like, no, do you eat chickens, like the animals mm. that you are familiar with and walk around? Because humans are good at, uh, I, I just re- I was on a podcast yesterday, so I'm very knowledgeable about this thing that I'm about to say, mm. the one thing that I learned. I think there's an anthropologist named Bruno Latour mm-hmm. who said that a good thing that humans are good at is creating like, language, creating structures, creating systems, and then immediately forgetting that we created them and acting like they are to be revered and, right. like, sort of worshipped and being, like, like you know, with, let's say, gender pronouns, be, like, people who are, like, what, why do I have to learn a new, a made-up pronoun? Like, every pronoun is a made-up pronoun. Right. Every Part of language was constructed So that's why it would be a very Reasonable thing to learn a new one Because you learned the old ones Everyone was created And so with respect to the way that animals are treated, we're like, oh, well, this is just how it is. Or like with every system, this is just how it is. This this racist, sexist, homophobic system, it's just, it's the way it's always been. In fact, it's actually been, hopefully, uh, in many ways, growing and changing and improving from generation to generation because there are people who answer, well, this is how it is, too. Well, does it have to be that way then? Right, exactly.
3: And you know what, baby? You might actually get your comic book because uh about the animals, uh because apparently animals are like coming out the woodworks and like camping and like the bear population don't oh. survive you got <laughs> right. mooses walking in the middle of the street and foxes like some people depend on how far in the country they are gonna come out and they're gonna have to like fight the animals in order to get society back to running again
1: well i like the book because it teases so many concepts that i just didn't like things that happen between humans all the time that i just didn't think about with animals obviously you know like the one one of the main characters when it starts is like this guy he's a veterinarian and so his whole job is like taking care of animals making sure they live treating them well and then uh this guy was making a joke about he's like you're a veterinarian but like you eat burgers and he's like yeah i you know that is kind of like a contradiction but also like a a, a thing that i've been doing my whole life right and then like later you kind of see through his eyes that he's a veterinarian but then he also believes in this hierarchy of like humans over animals essentially um and he becomes like jealous of his own pet dog's relationship with his daughter because the dog is like closer to his daughter than he is to a certain extent and now Mm. this this dog can speak and express it and you know like so there's like all this little stuff that happens. Like there's a group of humans who then join up with animals but then they become this alliance because they still want to eat other animals. You so there's not like a gen like it's like they're together but they're fucked up. You know what I mean? Like so I don't know. It's just it was it's like an interesting book to make you just think about certain shit. Oh yeah. It,
2: it it reminds me of uh probably like this isn't covered as much. Like the other seems like the point of that is that book is that those philosophical ideas, like Bojack Horseman, is like another yes. show where there's like humans and animal-type humans, like all interacting. And every once in a while, like they will like have a character maybe like eat or bite or like something. Like they'll <laughs> they'll reference that these are animals who would be if they were simply animals, you know, not necessarily all getting along. And I'm always right. like, I wonder what they're eating for lunch in this world. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like
1: Bojack had a salad. I understand, but why is uh, that? Tiger having a salad. I don't know.
2: And thinking and of <laughs> tigers, uh, I also uh, was just going to say, a tiger in New York. I think we're in a zoo somewhere. Just got the coronavirus, so it's yeah. like we're we're in it together. It's not even just <laughs> humans. Like yeah. this this virus is like you know uniting us all in a way that we're like, well, what do we do? How do we do it? But it's, I mean, it's good to be made to ask these questions. I'll definitely be social distancing from tigers. That one. Oh yeah, 100%.
1: Absolutely. I've been doing that my whole life. And I I'm only like, seven
2: feet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was born for that. Um, the other thing I, you referenced a couple of times now is that you have a girlfriend. I think we talked about this last time you were on, which was ages ago. But, you know, are, are you down to just the one girlfriend now, Mike? Are you like really cutting back on, uh, on the girlfriends i, I know you used to like and, and this is doesn't mean you're not an advocate for it but just i used i know you used to be heavy into like kind of talking about polyamory and stuff
2: great question i like the way that you asked like i'm on a i'm on a relationship diet i've cut down to one and uh i was like oh i gotta get a, get all this uh x like uh you know you know we like to snack like but uh, when, it, when it gets down to it um this is nice. I'm actually going to take that down as a note for a joke for later. Hold on. Cut down. All right. Perfect podcasting. Um I uh I we are my girlfriend and I are monogamous. I would right. still say that I I support like in the same way there's this uh I've been I love this Lenny Bruce quote. He says, "I'm not a comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce." Right. And also he is a comedian, but he's not just a comedian right. and maybe sometimes he's not a comedian, but he's always Lenny Bruce and sometimes mm. Lenny Bruce is a comedian. And so my girlfriend's name is Reenie and so <laughs> I say like we're not polyamorous, we're Mike and Reenie. Like we're right. not in a kind of a relationship. Like our relationship actually did begin uh I met her when I was uh, in another open relationship. I was in an open relationship living with a girlfriend, uh, four years ago. I met Rini and, uh, we started seeing each other in the, I told her all about the relationship I was in. And then that relationship ended, uh, of its own, you know, reasons. And then, uh, a year, like we, maybe six months later, we, after dating for, you know, sort of just still casually and also seeing other people and being essentially single. Um, um, she then my girlfriend was in uh we stopped seeing each other and for a Mm. few months she was in a monogamous relationship with somebody else and there was a a a joke that i wrote at the time uh was uh, he turned out to be uh controlling and not not a good partner for her Mm. and so and there were maybe signs of that uh maybe even in that like i was we were both everyone was fine like in the beginning like we were all doing our thing and so I, I was like, when she was like, I'm going to be with this guy because like, uh, he will only wants to be with me and he doesn't want me seeing other people. And so I, I felt like I was torn because I, I wanted to say like, don't go off and be with the controlling mean guy. Stay with me, the <laughs> controlling nice guy. Right. You know? right. And so, but she, she had the experience of being with that person. And then after that ended, uh, we, she got back in touch with me and we started seeing each other again and it was open for a little bit but we we moved in together and just over the course of the relationship we had conversations uh that eventually led us to be monogamous and mm. i there are people who i've talked to who are who were like, I told you, that's the way, that's the right way to do it. And if I had been a monogamous person the whole time, like it doesn't even make sense right. because then I wouldn't have even you wouldn't started have dating her. her yeah. Because I when I met her, I was dating another person. So it was like, this is... And the point is, this relationship is... In some ways, I feel like there are, I have like, like my manager is an older man, like he's like, you know, in his maybe fifties, I think. Maybe he just turned fifty. And he has, you know, uh, a wife and kids mm. and a, uh, from the outside, at least a more conventional life experience relationship wise. And I remember, you know, in, so for the past decade, I'd say I was either in open relationships or moving towards being in open relationships, some monogamous things, but some, It was, it was like, you know, uh, I was on a journey Mm. that I was like, open relationships seem valuable because I'd been in a monogamous marriage and that ended and I was like, ooh, that's, this is, I don't think I can be with one person forever. And so I was like, so a joke I wrote then was like, oh, so I'll just, uh, I'm just looking for the one that will let me be with others, and yeah. <laughs> that was my. Or I was like, maybe I'll just be in short relationships. You mm. know, like a couple years, I can do a couple years, and then another couple years with another person. And so, as it turns out, like I feel like my manager was a person who was like, when you meet the right person, that makes you want to settle down. Then you'll know. I'm making him sound silly, but mm. he was like, he's just like, I, it happened for me, and it could happen for you. Mm. And in and in some ways, I feel like he's he it turns out i think coincidentally to be right i might never have met this person i'm so right. grateful that i did but this is a person that i want to be with no matter what the relationship structure is right. like i don't want like for some people i was like it's important for me to be able to see to, to be able to be open to meeting and connecting with and maybe being romantically and or sexually involved with other people and so i I wouldn't start being in a relationship with a person unless they also at least understood that or Mm. were on board with that. And so this relationship is one where my girlfriend did, she understood that completely and was on board with that. And we did that. And so the same way that as a human being, and as a comedian and in all the ways I have grown and like learned and changed and had different experiences uh, in this relationship. I've like, I've been as surprised as anyone that I was like, I, I thought I couldn't be with a person mm-hmm. forever, like just one person. But it turns out that it wasn't that it was that relationship. It was that marriage. Wasn't right. the right marriage for me. The one that I had right. and the one that I had, the, the one that I have now, we're not married, but I'm talking like we're talking. We talk right. about it all the time. Like my newest hour of comedy, like the album, a.k.a. that's out now, uh, the the new hour that I've written since then that I'm, mm. you know, if once I start touring again that I've been touring, like was going to go to Edinburgh with this year, will go with next year. It, ideally, if all things go. Yeah. Uh, according to plan, we develop herd immunity. We all socially distance enough and flatten the curve. They develop a vaccine. Like in the in the later times, in the after times, in the future, where there's touring again, the hour that I'm making now is all about like my growth in relationship, my mm. and and this person, my my love uh, with Rini specifically, and so it's to the point where I've learned like it was even like when we talked about monogamy to begin with, I was like okay, like let's do this for this reason, and uh, and we'll we'll in in some ways it's an experiment, we'll see, right. and it's but the isn't like I, isn't
1: every relationship an experiment if you think about it i mean like i think yes. what, what's interesting is like maybe people weren't quote-unquote right in the way that they think they're right right because like them you are gonna meet somebody you're gonna do this and this is the right way to do it and you're gonna figure it it's like well, they're not necessarily right as much as like maybe this is for you right now you know what i mean like it's, it's like saying, uh, like, there'll be a time when you like chocolate cake, and it's like, I hate chocolate cake. And then like, I don't know, six years later, I'm like, chocolate cake's not that bad. You know? But then maybe six years after that, I'm like, fuck chocolate cake. I had chocolate cake. You know, I'm over chocolate cake. So, it's kinda interesting how people like, and I think it's because we've been indoctrinated, right? Like, so much of, especially American, but I, pretty much all over the globe, so much of like, society is just like, monogamy, and two people, and then you have some kids, and then you do this. But then like, the people are not like these fixed structures that just stay in one place their whole lives and stay on one path. And there's only one way to do it, right? You get married, and you have some kids, and you get you know you get the house, and you get the job, and you get, like. There's so many divergent paths, and so many different like versions of us that we could be at any given time. So it feels kind of weird that people would even like. I like there is like a slight resistance to be like. Damn, I almost don't want to even tell you guys because you're going to feel like you're right, but you're not necessarily, you weren't wrong, but you weren't necessarily
2: right for the way that you think you were right. Well, yeah, I, I, that's all very a hundred percent resonant and because it's not one thing. It is nuanced. It is like, like it's, there is no one answer. There is no one destination. Like, I mean, I know it sounds corny to say like that it's a journey, but the fact is that like i i mean and f- there are people for whom like polyamory is like for me i it was the right thing for me for a time or right. that was my desire that was my goal that was and you know i did it the best that i could and sometimes not the best and right. uh and now i'm you know with th- with my girlfriend in this relationship and this relationship is the relationship it is right. like the one and also like the good news is i realized uh that you know you're like oh chocolate cake every day but the the cake changes as well Like you change yes, Your taste exactly. change, And also the cake change Like maybe it'll be A carrot cake in six years It'll look different And sound different And like that's The wonderful thing is the two flip sides of like, oh, only with one person? Well, it's a growing, changing person. You're, you're never... Reading things and having experiences. Sorry, bud. You're never actually
1: loving the same person. Like, I... Mm-mm. You know, I, like, me and Karen, we've been together since we were 16, and then people always go like, <gasps> like, how the fuck do you do that? You know, whatever. But I'm like, but it's... Karen at 16 is not Karen at 40. Oh, no. You know what well, I'm I mean? a completely and, different person. And neither am I, you know? So, like, you kind of grow together or you know sometimes people grow apart and all that stuff and i think um one of the things that is kind of messed up is that we teach kids and we teach each other through whether it's religion or just the way we kind of like socialize or even the government to a certain extent we teach people like you're supposed to be this way all the time forever at this moment so like the moment you say i do from that point on you are that person only forever i you know you see people say like really normally it's misogynistic shit like you know if i marry my wife at 98 pounds she gonna be 98 pounds forever you know something (laughs) something (laughs) as silly as that you know is like kind of but it points out the fallacy of how we think about life and love um my friend rashida when we were in high school um she said something and i I mocked her for it at the time and i i I go back to this all the time. And it was like I was wrong, you know I told her. I even told her you know later in life like I was so wrong about this shit I didn't know what I was thinking but she told me uh she was dating this guy and I said uh and I I just didn't I didn't like the dude he was like super stupid and all this shit I was like I don't even like this dude what are you seeing this dude and she was like you know like nah he's good and he's this and he's that and I was like ah no way and uh I, I was like you, you don't love this guy and she's like I do love him I was like you love this guy and she was like yes and I was like what is like how could you say that and she's like I love him for what I know love to be right now Right. and at the Mm -hmm. time I went that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard (laughs) Rashida that is so stupid how can you say that that's what you say when you don't love someone and now I go back I was like that's all everyone ever does Mm -hmm. you just for how you define it at the moment is what the fuck you know you don't know anything you can't know what you're gonna know later right you only know what you knew up to this point and how you live for now so you kind of get fortunate and if you continue continue to live in that uh you know if you continue to live in that like that, that that period of time that little like that circle of like what i know love to be and the relationship i'm in or not in right um so yeah but uh it's interesting too because a lot of people that are monogamous meet people while they're monogamous that end up being the quote-unquote one and they don't count that against monogamy it's always Mm -hmm. like it's it's like it's like it's like it's like no 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 that's different because now i'm with this person it's like well to me i always felt like the thing you were really advocating for was really more about communication you know like like this like striving to be like this is how I feel at this moment. I'm not maybe I'll feel differently. This is how I felt before. And then we our 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 promise to each other is to always communicate how we are currently feeling. What are we doing about other relationships, other people. And I think that thing is a one line that goes through every type of relationship that um especially romantically.
2: Yeah, i that's all Beautiful and resonant and well put. And I have a, here's a new phrase that, uh, if it already exists, great. If not, uh, I'm, I'm putting it, I'm putting it out there. Informed monogamy is what Mm. I'm into now. Like, informed by having been non-monogamous. Like, choosing monogamy after having the option and having lived in a non-monogamous way is more meaningful than just being gifted with it, being right. told that it is the way. Be, it's nice to, ha- to have been told that and then to be like, I don't think that's right. And then later to be like, ah, now in this way, in this time, in this place with this person, it is right. right. This is right for me. The uh, other couple of things I wanted to say mm-hmm. in response to what you said uh there's to the person to the guy who's like ninety eight pounds, that's what she's gonna stay at. Uh here what I just stay with her and even if she grows to larger than that, at some point, if you stick around long enough, like she'll event. it might be when she's decomposing, but she'll be back. Yeah. She'll be everyone goes to back just down a skeleton. Eventually, yeah. you know, if you stick around long enough, everyone <laughs> makes it down to the ninety eight
1: pounds mark. And yeah, I always thought that that's was a, so so ridiculous. Oh. I like that was like the the that like when the guys say that they sound like the guy who like orders for their girlfriend at a restaurant, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll be, I'll I'll be ordering.
0: Yeah.
3: yes, I'll be ordering for the lady over here. Yeah, the little
1: lady. I'll have the salad, and I'll take twelve
2: steaks. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you come right out of a comic book. Stop. Hey man, you should read the comic book Animosity. Yeah. Then you won't order the steaks and, and uh, I'll have twelve salads. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's how we go. I'll be like, I want the steak and
3: potato and Roger be like, I want the salad.
1: My head is gonna explode if the fucking lettuce starts talking in like issue twenty five. I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> my brain I'm gonna just be on the couch like, Oh my god Uh, but yeah <laughs> But yeah, I just
2: all a dream. Yeah,
1: I I wondered about that. Um, Oh yeah. So uh, now hold on, I got to pause real quick um, because we're gonna get we're gonna get cut off. All right, we're back. Sorry, man.
2: Go. I didn't want to have to cut you off in case uh, we would have got to that two hour mark. All good. Uh, So the other thing I was gonna say is when you were talking about you know the the way that society and pop culture and fairy tales sometimes gift people uh with the idea that relationships have to only go in one one way one direction sometimes that's called the like relationship escalator you know like you're Mm. dating you're steady you're maybe living together you're engaged you're married you have kids you know the the heteronormative just like one one directional just ramp to infinity or not infinity Mm. and uh now but now especially with the idea that there are different relationship structures different you know types of non monogamy polyamory different options it's like there's so many different staircases uh it's like an escalator that goes in all different directions some mm. up some down it's like an mc escher thing that i call <laughs> the mc escalator <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's so many paths that your life can go on man i yes, think sir. also like if you're res- If you're learning constantly, then you're changing constantly. And I think because of how we view... I think it's also harmful because of how we learn about monogamy. We also learn to view relationships as successes or failures, you know? So it's not like a lesson learned or something that some experience that you would take to the next thing it's like no 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 you failed at marriage you failed at this relationship you know like sometimes you'll see people talk about like their ex and it's kind of popular to be like yeah i saw my ex and uh they, they were in target and they were looking bad ha 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 i won it's like oh, yeah you know so it's like it turns us into these kind of like monsters almost mm-hmm. it's like well, that was a person you liked at one point enough to be with them. Right. And now you, you know, like because you're not with them, it, it seems like you, you want them to fail or you want everything to, as if that somehow will mean you succeeded in their failure because you're not together and stuff. So I think it's kind of interesting the way we think about just relationships in general and, um, the way that we define things. Um, but, but, and then also there's like the other part of it is that even with like a polyamorous lifestyle, it's not necessarily a quote unquote solution to everything there's there's rules within that there's constraints within that there's there's freedom within that like it's still like it still changes for everybody but i think we've just been conditioned to see things one way um and that's it And there's no other way
2: yeah, I would say like I've always been like a pretty optimistic person. I mean, part of it was I think the way that I was raised was like you know safe and sheltered and you know in a, in a, a good environment to to have a child, and so that gave me this confidence. I have this joke I'm working on now where I say I I'm confident right up until somebody says Are you sure? And then I'm like No, <laughs> uh, and and so I have this confidence that I'm like kind of you know I earlier in life at least was like well everything everything's going okay for me you know like i didn't have all the access to Mm -hmm. the way things were going for a lot of other people at that time or other times or even how things would eventually be going for me like everything isn't always just perfect just roses just you know beauty like we can you know hopefully be present and see the challenges as lessons and opportunities for learning and growth and sometimes it takes being able to look back on it to see that that did happen but mm. like here's a thing specifically to what you're saying in my relationship like uh in december uh just a, you know like 4 months ago uh my girlfriend uh broke her ankle like it mm. badly, like uh needed surgery. She has now a plate and like several screws in it mm. like that were to hold the bones back together because the fibia and tibula both snapped off their ends. Mm. And so she was uh home for like like she's you know, we're all home now, but she was also basically home for several months and all I right. would, you know, be around mostly caring for it was like our child it was like oh a new baby that we have to care for your ankle like i'll go out (laughs) and get your ankle food and like if we'll get a babysitter if you need we'll have somebody just in case you need something from across the room real fast and uh the point is like i'm i'm grateful like i love my girlfriend and i'm grateful to have been able to have the you know like the resources to help us uh continue to live when she couldn't go to work and stand and right uh sell jewelry like was her job at the time and uh And that I could, you know, my, I could only go out to shows when I needed to and be there during the day. And it made, I I started thinking like, wow, I mean, I wonder if I was in a polyamorous relationship and I had other partners, like imagine, Mm. I mean, one good thing is like maybe there'd be more people around if you have like a triad to care, to care for the children, to care for the people. But what if two people, like right now, what if you're in a poly triad and like two people are sick, like, and you're one person caring for, and I'm not saying like, of course we have our extended families potentially right. your your biological or your logical your chosen family and you have friends and people that you care for in different ways but like we only have so much it's not that we have so much love but we have so much time and energy and resources and the capacity to care for someone so i was particularly extra grateful for the monogamousness of my relationship right. at the time when i was like it's important for me to be here with this person caring for them in this way all of the time
1: yeah it's, it's interesting too because like uh, one of the things they're saying about the social distancing and quarantine stuff is that a lot of people are going to come out of it and there's going to be a wave of like divorces and breakups and stuff because of you know it's such a shock to the system and a change uh yeah. to what people are able to do daily you know hey normally you might leave the house for eight hours a day do a job and come back and that's part of it too right like that's that for some people that's the thing that's helping is to be like i like 24 hours concentrated of you is not is too much you know, just but, but like 16 hours, I can, you know, that's the perfect amount or whatever. Um, and I think, so the thing I think about all the time is like, we don't necessarily know, like, we don't know anything. We think we know, like, we're confident in our answers at the time, but not, all this shit could change. Like, anything could change. You know, like, a broken ankle for some people, it's, oh, wow, well, I don't want to deal with this. And, you know, here's a crutch. And then he's like, leave the house. And then for some people, it's like, Okay, this is where I learned to be a crutch and this is where I'm thankful to be the crutch, right, for you. And so I think that that's one of the things that um kind of becomes evident when you get tested and whatever.
2: Can I uh share this um there's a thing I heard once about uh distance in a in a relationship makes uh is like the wind distance is like the wind in that it will extinguish a small flame but it will fan a great fire Mm. so like you know the way that a forest fire the wind makes it expand and mm. so if your love if your connection is you know strong or whatever you know this is like a, a caricature of an analogy but you know like people say long distance relationships never work some some long distance relationships do work uh i mean par- usually sometimes if it's exactly the way people want them to be or if it's for only a limited time or if they do what they want to and need to to remain connected in those times and uh and so I think that similarly, the proximity that we're, that a lot of us are experiencing right now is like, has the same function. Like for us, we've, like, I've talked about this with my girlfriend, like, it's not that we don't have times when one of us, like there are times when we're in separate rooms. Right. Like I talk, like some like the other day, my girlfriend had a headache and I did a show from the other room and even, even like through a door and through like, Ear, you know headphones that cancel the noise mm. she was like you have a booming voice that's great for your job <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> and and so I joke, like, I'm like, oh yeah. So it, like my, and p- part of it, what brought us together is she liked my comedy and we right. met at a show and talked. And so she, she was drawn to me because of my voice. And now she is repelled from me as well. She's right. like, towards and well, there's like, must be a perfect distance. So the, like that night, I had a, a, a later show that I was like, I'm just going to do this one from very close <laughs> to the microphone because my girlfriend's in the other room. So it's like an ASMR comedy show. <laughs> And, uh, and so, but but for the most part, and we've we, you know we were we love each other. We're happy to be here, and we're you know grateful that we're not in a studio apartment. We don't right. have like the biggest oh, house where any we had, we have a one bedroom where I am I'm in the living room now. She's in the bedroom, right. maybe with headphones and reading, so that she can have her experience when she needs because she needs often more time and space and quiet. But yeah. overall. Uh, we, you know, we, co- we're in communication, if not constantly, like, you know, checking in to make sure that our needs are being addressed, right. if not met all of the time. If I'm like, I need to talk, and she's like, I need to not talk, then we're like, okay, well that's good. We both know, we both understand, and whoever's need is maybe stronger in the moment, right. we always want to assume that we have the best intentions. We want each other both to have what each uh, what i want her to have what she wants she wants me to have what i want we want to help provide that for each other so for us the proximity is enhancing the the flame of our relationship and you know i don't know what happens tomorrow or in a month or in 10 years or in 100 years but 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 like nobody knows
1: you know what i mean yeah nobody knows you know that's the thing like i think uh there's certain things that get reinforced and then it makes people feel like they know but like if they knew then like motherfuckers would never break up no nobody knows we're all just kind of hoping for the best if you're you know if you're in a hopeful place um and and yeah we do the kind of similar thing like we both uh we have two bedrooms but one is an office um and uh karen's a gamer and i'm a gamer and stuff so like sometimes we'll just be gaming for hours in the other room or something and then like occasionally like i might come in and just be like everything okay you all right you good like You need anything? Like, all right cool. Everything's fine in here. Alright, cool. Just want to check in. And, you know, and then it's like, you know, one day we were in here working and she was talking about how like, I'm feeling a little bit down today. And it was like, let's get out of here. Like, we don't have to like go out and hug people and let them cough on us. We can still (laughs) do things outside that just aren't, you know, uh, they are not our normal things. We're not like going to eat out at a restaurant, but we can like go and walk around or we can like, I don't know let's go let's go wash the car or something like that and so like you know i think what's happening is that people are realizing that they have to this extra layer of stuff you have to do now that wasn't necessarily there before you know what i mean like before it's kind of like well i'm at my office or i can stop by a place on my way home or something and those options are not on the table anymore and then of course also it could just be that people were like on the rocks and this right. is like a period of time where you can't break up for a lot of people. Right. Like it's this is period of time where it's like, I need to lower my disease vectors. So I know your diseases and viruses. So you just stay here until ah, this is ah, over. But the ah, second ah, this is over, I'm going to get out there and meet some new disease vectors. Okay. Like maybe that's what's happening.
2: Yeah. And I, I want, I just want to offer for, like for people, it's a, t- a challenging time for so many and, uh and self-included and, uh, it's a spectrum of how challenged you are in, in all right. of the ways that you are. I'm very fortunate in many ways. But I want to offer, like, if you have a relationship with someone that, let's say you weren't living together, but you moved in for the quarantine, mm. or you were living together, you just started, or you've been living together, but you used to go to work and be apart from each other for eight hours a day, and now, like, if it's harder now than it was before, like, that's very logical. That right. makes sense. That's okay. Like, the way that... And hopefully, you can you know give yourself permission to like forgive yourself and forgive each other. Like if you're if you're losing your temper, if you're like unhappy in ways you know that essentially like when you know like when when I'm physically ill, if, like if I have you know a fever, a cold, uh, the flu, like. That, you know, makes, makes me physically incapable of doing all the, all the things that I would normally do. You know, so I, I forgive myself if I'm not going out to do comedy every night. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be, but I can't. Like, I can't go out for a walk, for exercise. Like, if I, so I, it always feels okay in that moment. And I feel like right now, our society, our culture, everything is kind of like impacted, even if you're not physically ill. Like, society has been slowed down because of, The overall metaphorical illness caused by the literal physical illness. Uh, and so I feel like hopefully that can, if that, if that can help people offer themselves kindness in these times to know that, like, there, you don't have, you know, maybe if it, if it, reveals things that were there for reveals cracks in your foundation that you just weren't looking at because you and now you can't avoid looking at them that's one thing but for people if you want to be optimistic that when when you're no longer quarantined together you can if not go back to how things were go forward to a potentially you know more stable and better and loving and caring uh place i think that and also like
1: it's not necessarily a failure right because i think what happens is so many people look at you know because like i've seen the studies from china being like all these people got divorced oh my god and it's like all those people now have the potential to move on to a situation where they're happier too like why come out of this miserable if you like if you've been miserable for three months together and it's not working out or whatever and you know like it doesn't have to be and look at you failures. You all blew it. Like you couldn't you couldn't last one quarantine. Wow, wow. <laughs> I tell you, man. You, like love isn't what it used to be. Like, well now maybe there's opportunities to go find happiness. I don't think anyone should be sitting around. We're not on this earth for long. Don't be miserable if you can help it, you know what I mean? Like make those changes if you got to.
2: Can I uh tell you there's a comedian in Boston named Tony V. He's been mm-hmm. doing it since the eighties. He's one of the funniest people I've ever seen. And when I was starting doing comedy in the early 2000s, he did a one-person show, a one-man show. He's a man. And uh, it was called The Failure Artist. Mm. And uh, he, at the beginning of the, the show, he just showed a video montage of all of the show business, like, success that he had on TV and movies. He was in a few, like, he was in the Bobcat Goldthwait movie, Shakes the Clown. Mm. He was in... The movie State and Maine, he played like a, a delivery guy, like he's since been in like the movie The Heat that I think mm-hmm. filmed in Boston. He played like a cop with one line. He's, he's like. I had like one line in a lot of movies, He's like in a John Cusack movie, (laughs) and he's like, and I had like a a Conan set, he did uh, Conan, like he eventually would go on to be on like a a show on Showtime, like his career has been fantastic, like he's like not, you know, a nationwide household name, but he is a Boston comedy, a New England comedy, like household name, like he is revered and respected, at this time, still he was, but he was presenting it. And he was saying, like, look, this seven minutes of airtime is what I have, you know, accomplished. And he says, "Uh, I went out to Hollywood and I took a lot of meetings. And the consensus is I am very nice to meet. (laughs) And he's hilarious. And he says, like, so technically, by this measure, I am a quote unquote, Failure, but he's like, I'm glad to be a failure because being a failure means I tried and Mm. being a loser. If I was like, if I was worried about quote unquote failing in the way that you're, it's like the same message with different language. He's like, if I was worried about failing and if that worry made me not try and so I wouldn't have the failure under my belt. Look, no failures over here because I didn't even try anything. Like then, not uh, better. He's like, it's better to have tried and failed because I then like know where I succeeded. There's another comedian, Emily Winter, who last either last year or the year before, I had her on my podcast and she talked about her project, the the a rejection project. She wanted to. She made a a New Year's resolution in one of these years, uh, to one of the last two years to get a hundred rejections from anywhere, from stand-up bookers, from TV shows, from writing jobs, from the New Yorker, from the New York Times, from mm. everywhere possible, as a comedian, as a writer, because she's like, I think I've heard that it- To get a hundred rejections, I'm going to have to put myself out there at least a hundred times, and some of them might come back positive. I forget what the end result numbers were, but she had, like, however many acceptances, like 40, Mm. 50, 60, and a hundred something, like, so her rate, if it was like a batting average, was like, oh, you, it was actually pretty good for a batting average, maybe it was like batting 333, like, if you're, but if you look at, oh my God, that sheer number of quote-unquote failures, but the failures don't add up, is a thing I heard once a long time ago. Like when you give somebody your resume, you don't say, here's everything I've achieved and here's everything that I didn't. Mm -hmm. Everything that, and everything that you try adds to your successes. Even if it adds to your capacity to do things and to learn. Even Thomas Edison says like a thousand, ten thousand, five thousand, failures before the light bulb. No, he says that's 10,000 ways or a thousand ways that I I discovered successfully not to do it. That led me to the one successful way that did do it. And Dan Savage talks about this all the time, too, with relationships, that a relationship isn't a failure just because it ends. It maybe is exactly like a show isn't a failure if it ends after the number of seasons that it told its whole story right exact that's that's exactly how
1: i look at it too is like because that was that was one of the issues i was having was i wouldn't even attempt certain things because i was like if i'm gonna i'm risking failing at the thing so why even start let's just let me just stick to the things i know i'm good at right yeah um, yeah
3: because that, that, that's part of your personality and i right. can be like that sometimes but to an extent on a lot of things i'm almost the opposite i'm like let's do it yeah and they be like you might fail i don't care
0: let's try
3: but it's
1: something <laughs> but it's something it took me uh you know i was like t- in therapy and stuff and that was one of the things i learned from it was like oh yeah I guess I because I would never look at myself as a perfectionist that's how she was she was like you have some perfectionist qualities and I'm like no not me like I don't like look at my closet I don't care but she's like, <laughs> right. she's like no it's not in that it's in different things you know to a certain extent even the thing where I felt like Oh, I messed up with Mike. I can't have him back on the show. I fucked up. This is over. <laughs> that's that is a type of weird perfectionism in a way of like mm. I blemished this thing. Sure. It is over, right? I quit. Um. So so yeah, it was. I think perfect can sometimes be the enemy of good and the yes. enemy. So oh, yeah. I um. And I think that's one of the things too with relationships. It's hard for people to to do because even the transition, like quote unquote, out of polyamory into monogamy, is 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 like like there's a way to view that is like i failed polyamory oh my god how am i gonna go in front of all these people and then there's like you know the health a healthier way in my opinion to look at it's like no this is a this is just like transitioning in or anything else like this whatever relationship is like a a snowflake is different and so this Mm -hmm. one's this this is what this one is you know so i think that was cool the last thing i was gonna bring up too um because we haven't talked in a while i told you guys Five questions in oh, yeah. two hours. Can um, I
2: can I say one more thing? Yeah, about yeah, relationships of course. Real quick, this yeah. one I think will be short. There's a a woman named Esther Perel who is a uh, a counselor of some kind, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, a therapist. Who does, uh, specializes, I think, in couples counseling. Mm. And, uh, she also, I I think, has a podcast where they do actual, like, couples counseling on the podcast. Wow. And I've heard her on Dan Savage's podcast a lot. And she's written a couple books called Mating in Captivity and State of Affairs. And one of the things that I heard recently that I liked a lot is that she says most people, or the average person maybe, has three great romances, three great, Mm. like, romantic loves in their life. And for some people, that doesn't mean that it's three different people. For some people, it could be a 50-year marriage has three different phases where both mm-hmm. of the people are have gone through changes. Like you mm-hmm. at at 16 right. are different than you are at 40. So yeah. this is now either the second romance or maybe that maybe this is the second one. So you did one for right. twenty years, now you're on your second one, then you'll do a third one if you keep going. Because every every however many years, you've hopefully grown and learned and changed in ways that make you a different person, make them a different person. And if you want to keep being together, it's important to communicate and express who you are and learn who they are and ideally or hopefully or you know when it works when it works well when you do that then best case scenario you get to be like oh wow i'm i'm a different person with a different person but also it's the same person from the outside all anyone sees is like oh you've been together 24 24 years with one person and you're like oh no it's not it's not one one experience it's yeah and i three like i'm very
1: like that's the thing like i uh feel like the way i love karen at 16 is different because like uh as you get older you also know the cost of things Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you like this it's i think it's not necessarily easier but it's just different when you don't know shit you know what i mean like there's a like and most people i think feel like that's the 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 highest version of love right it's just like the newlywed phase we want to like constantly consistently be in the like everything about you is great because i don't know shit about you oh my god you know like and 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 there's a point too where like the knowledge of somebody is a different type of love Mm -hmm. that is also good like um when you're like young it's like you know kisses don't cost anything right they're abundant and they're always coming and there's always going to be more but then you cross like a, a threshold in life where you're like this kiss could be the last kiss. Like every like every like then like you start thinking shit like that. Now that was true when you were sixteen, by the way. But, right, but you didn't think but now like but now you you know, like you're like, this shit is fleeting. Like anything could happen. Um and vice versa. Like I think that's why sometimes people do get divorces, you know, like sometimes you read stuff where it was like this seventy year old got divorced from this seventy five year old and people are always like, That's so sad. <laughs> they were together forever. I was like, No, that motherfucker knows The last 15 years, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Like, like, like this, this might be it right here, baby. I gotta, I gotta come up with something. Um, but yet the, the last thing I was gonna say was that the, um, uh, talking about this, the COVID-19, the coronavirus and stuff, uh, you, have you guys seen the people that are like doing the marches that are like, we, we don't want to social distance and, um, let's
2: get our guns and go hang out. I mean, I, I've seen it in the news. I'm glad to have not seen it close up. It seems like I want everyone to be healthy and fulfilled. And in in these cases, I'm like, where somebody's like, not us, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the person you brought up, like I when I reminded me earlier uh, mm-hmm. of a guy. I think like a homophobic preacher was yeah. like. The coronavirus is caused by people being gay, and then he got the coronavirus. I'm like, I don't want anyone to get it. Right. But if someone has to get it, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: right. And-
2: I do want to say also about, yeah. to what you just said about like people wanting to stay in the like the newly like I was a person who wanted to, who liked new relationship energy like it, mm-hmm. of course it makes sense it's it feels good but I'm glad to now know the different ways that being in a long term relationship feels good in new ways. Yeah, I'm like like if I I'm like oh even if I like newness I'm like this has newnesses in it and it's sort of like like a baby's brain you know it could learn every any language every language you know mm-hmm. if it, if it's spoken around it the connections are almost like limitless compared to eventually you learn one language you learn things and the neural pathways close off and you get the language that you know and uh and then it's harder to learn one later and that's like your relationship at the beginning it seems like infinite possibilities like it's so new we don't know anything we have so much to learn so much to do so much to grow so much because you're a baby your relationship is literally your relationship is figuratively a baby it's a baby and it it's great like babies are wonderful they're for Mm. the for the reasons that like the same way with love that your friend rashida said like the, loving the way that you can love at a time, the way that you're capable of, the way that that love makes sense. Like a baby is great for all the things that a baby is, right. but a baby's not like a great partner to marriage. You want that right. baby to grow up first. You know, <laughs> right. Like the baby married. can't drive They'll
1: the car. Baby. <laughs> the drive, baby has to have a baby seat. Okay. Can't drive the car, you know, like, and it's interesting too, because like, um I also think the quarantine for people that are like being alone right now uh Are also getting to like love themselves or learn how to or see what they can, like what mm-hmm. what's going on with them that maybe Ideally, yeah yeah maybe you haven't been able to check in with yourself because you have been leaving the house for 10 hours to do a job and coming back and commuting and doing like all this other stuff that kind of like keeps you from connecting with 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 whatever you're into right so like i i would hope that i mean not you know i guess i'm just trying to look on the positive side of all this stuff is like i hope people are able to like kind of examine and find what does make them happy if if, if you know if they are able to uh do that thing where they have their enough needs met to be able to think of that way, to think that way. Because I don't know, man. It's like if not, we're just trapped in the house and it's all sad. So you know, I hope I hope people are finding some some goodness in it because I I do think that is uh like at, at least with love. That's how I've learned about it. Was just like, oh wait, 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 I am informed now more and so the i still and i still do have that like you know the feelings of like giddiness and all that type of stuff that comes mm-hmm. sometimes but it's not it's something deeper than that you know what i mean it's like a, a it's like a video game when you first pick up a brand new video game and there's all this shit you can do and you're just like all the missions oh my god i'm overwhelmed there's so much shit you can, oh there's a mission over here like i like I, with ADHD. a new request yeah we have like adhd with a video game you're just like well, what does this do and you're just like doing the shit but then there's also like that love of like when you know the ins and out of a video game like you just love it differently like mm-hmm. i've beaten Miss pac-man 75 times like i love that game differently than i love the new game it does no it's no offense to the new game it doesn't mean i'll never play a new game again but there's just like a love i have for this game that i you know for tomb raider lower cough that i just have differently um but here's what i was gonna say the the people protesting against the virus oh yeah so y'all know how the virus works right like a virus it attaches itself to like your some of your healthy cells and then it makes them kinda like sick, and makes them replicate the virus. And then like the not healthy, like the, uh, the antibody cells will come in and like attack this virus. And they start, and the, the antibody cells, don't, they don't give a fuck. They're just like, we don't know what this is, attack everything. Even the healthy lung cells all that stuff wait did i lose karen karen are you still on screen can you hear me oh i see you. okay you came back okay. all right um so then like it attacks everything right like your antibody that's one of the problems with the covid thing is like people get pneumonia and then your antibodies, like uh i think it's called cytogen storm or something I can't cytokine storm well it attacks yeah. yeah it attacks like your healthy stuff and then that's what makes your lungs shut down and stuff in a weird way it feels like that's what our society is doing mm-hmm We're like, these people, like, we're doing, like, we have healthy cells, and we have cells that are designed to fight the virus that are like, guys, we have emergency room workers, we're gonna stand six feet apart, we're gonna wear masks, we have governors, and, and, and all these, like, smart people that are just, like, this is their thing, this is epidemiologists, hey, this is how we mitigate this thing, and then you just wait, and then we'll, it'll pass, because we're fighting it, like, and then the fucking, like, People with the guns and the MAGA hats and the camouflage and the shades are all coming out and they're being like, fuck everything. Fuck those people trying to save us. Fuck, <laughs> fuck the hospital people. Fuck the mask. Fuck social distancing. I am here to say it's all bad. Open it back up. Like, let's all go back to just fucking, like, doing what we were doing before. And that's what it, it's like, it's like the virus, it's like the America's response to the virus has been, the body's response to the virus on some extent. Um, it, it's, it, and I I don't know, when Mike was talking, it just made me think about that all at the same time. I was like, fuck, it's like we're living the human version of fighting the virus as well as the individual people fighting the virus.
2: Oh yeah, those people are literally anti-bodies, <laughs> like their own yes. bodies. Yeah. They're, they're hurting <laughs> themselves. And yeah. this reminds me, My my girlfriend told me this thing once uh, about her, her childhood mm. when she was, like, pre, maybe even pre-verbal, but she's very, very young. But she remembers one of her earliest memories, reaching towards, like, the hot bulb of a lamp. Mm. And that her mother was there, and she said, don't touch that, like, you'll get burned. Don't don't mm. touch that, it'll hurt you. And she remembers, my girlfriend remembers not listen I mean, she, like, heard the sounds of her saying that, mm. was like, eh. and then touched it and was like, ah, and then like in that split second, like when you say what, and then you're like, oh, I actually heard you. Then she was like, oh, that, that lady was trying to, that's what she was talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. She was trying to help me. Maybe I should listen to that lady. And I feel like that's what the government is like, at least, you know, a lot of helpful right. scientists yeah. and people who are spreading uh, valuable as accurate as possible information as we have of how to best protect yourself to protect like from this lamp, from, from this disease. Like we don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers, but the best people like uh, that adult, my girlfriend's mother knew more than my baby girlfriend did. Right. <laughs> and scientists know more than I do and know more than non-science. If you're a person who studies this disease or studies diseases, you know more. So it certainly behooves us to listen to the people who are sharing this information and doing what we can. And then even further than my girlfriend, it was like my girlfriend, I, I used to tell the story in a way that she was like, it's not actually that, but I was like, where she was like re- rebelling, you know, where she mm. was like, uh like you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to touch this if I want to. Ow. Oh, you were trying to help me. Yeah. But that's what it seems like some people are like, you can't tell me how to help myself. You can't tell me how right. to protect myself. Like I I hurt myself if I want to in a way. And yeah. other people and it it's got it's so. kind of
1: scary because like um like just kind of seeing the rise of like anti-science for like most mm. of my life and how strong and organized it's gotten to be like this is kind of where that comes into play right it's like this like this is the day of the science test and half of the people have not only just not been going to class but they've been like class is bad learning about the science test is the problem if we didn't know about the science test we'd all be in class having fun or whatever and that's kind of like the culmination of this is like half of us are like you know all right guys we got to do what the doctor says stay inside and then half of us are like fuck the doctors we can uh i'll figure this out myself i read uh it's 5g on cell phones or something um (laughs) listen guys check out mike kaplan um new album dropping may 8th aka um all killing aside or also uh, all kidding aside or also known as um yeah or you know, Alpha Kappa Alpha, whatever the uh, <laughs> for the uh, for the sororities out there. But yeah, make sure you guys check it out, man. Mike, you're always a pleasure to talk to, man. I, I appreciate you coming back on the show. Man. The same.
2: It's such a such a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everyone for listening and ordering and or pre ordering the album or living your life, buying food, whatever you need to use your money for. Thank you.
1: And it won't take as long for me to have you back on the show. I
2: promise you that much. Okay. Uh, I'm I. I now will also make a more concerted effort. It's, uh, we, we will be friends who communicate even more than we ever did before. Another bonus to come out of these times. Shout out to coronavirus yes. bringing us all together. Um, even though we're six feet apart. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you guys
1: tomorrow. Until then, I love you. I love you too. too. Mwah.